What's going on, everybody? You know I'm back for another episode of the regular podcast. I have a special, special guest with me today. Uh, how you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Okay, All would right. you like to introduce yourself for the people? Yes, my name, power to the people, and as-salamu alaykum My name is Cedric Sims. I am a Atlanta native. That pretty much describes a lot, I guess, what we're going to discuss today. Yes, sir. Okay, so, I mean, uh, you know, tell, tell us a little bit about about how you feel about Atlanta and, and where you come from and where Atlanta came from and where it is now in your eyes. Yes. Um, well, I guess we start from the beginning, right? Yes, sir. <laughs> and and let, let the people know what you mean when you say beginning. What's the beginning for you? Well, I was born in 1951, the colored side of Grady Hospital. Mm-hmm. It might sound crazy, but yeah, Grady had... They called the Grady's back when I was born. Mm-hmm. It was like two sides. They, they, they were equal, but they were, one was... For the colored people, it was for the white people, mm-hmm. and uh, but they didn't allow uh, black doctors to. Uh, they didn't give me. They weren't allowed to work in the hospital at all. Mm-hmm. But yet, when you went in, um, you had to go in on one side and, and the white people on the other. You only had about two, three ambulances for the whole city for black people. Mm-hmm. So even if they had a white ambulance close to you, you still had to wait for the black ambulance that got available to come to you. Wow. So that was in the fifties. Mm-hmm. But we got. But at the time, we had five hospitals, five black hospitals around the city. Mm-hmm. Okay. So so. I, from listening to you, because we met, uh, for the people that don't know, or nobody knows really, we met at a Black Panthers uh, 50th anniversary right. rally. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed Maybe that. around uh, downtown Atlanta, maybe around five months ago, maybe October, something like mm-hmm. around that time. And uh, Mr. Sims was talking to everybody, and he was he pretty much seemed like one of the most knowledgeable historians out there. So naturally, I gravitated towards his information and wisdom, and he just got the telling everybody everything and i just want you to get into um i know earlier on the mm-hmm. phone we yeah. spoke and you mentioned what you considered the golden age right for, right. for black people i'm right. assuming right 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 so could you could you tell us like which era do you feel is the golden age and why is it the golden well age? the golden age in atlanta for me was in the 50s mm-hmm. even though this is a picture of my uh mother my father's to is to the uh to your right mm-hmm. and my mother's in the middle and that's their friend that was in 1946 at a nightclub in atlanta mm-hmm. um but anyway uh during the 50s and 60s when i was coming up um atlanta was really progressive and we got uh, a lot of people didn't really know how aggressive atlanta was outside of atlanta except in 1970 when um Muhammad Ali fought Jerry Quarry here after he got his license back. Mm-hmm. And then the big players from New York, uh, Chicago, Houston, Texas, Miami, New Orleans, L.A., and San Francisco and all, they came down here to see the fight. Mm-hmm. And when they went around the neighborhoods, they seen how they, they couldn't tell a black neighbor white neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And the difference between a lot of places where the black man owned a business, you know, he told you own a business, but he owned the property too and the business, the building. Mm-hmm. Like in Chicago, New York, unheard of. You don't own the property, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And uh, like Pasco Brothers was pretty good. Then they had the big motel. They were they were still uh, they weren't new then, but they were still uh, upscale. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had the Walla Hodge that was still upscale, uh, which is a place on West Lake. It's uh, some type of uh, center now, work work center or something like that now. Okay. And all the neighborhoods were very upscale. We had just integrated, start integrating out to uh, the Cascade and Seward after they lift lift the um, paving road blockade. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, but anyway, the old neighborhoods like a vast city, Mechanicsville, Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. Summer Hill, those cities were, they, they had mansions in those cities. When I was coming up, we had cobblestone streets and they had trolleys going up and down these streets. Mm-hmm. Um, down Hunter Street, uh, where I lived on the west side, 
we had uh, Mosley Park, which was a big pool, and they had two lakes and the dance hall. Mm-hmm. I learned all the dances, the hully gully fruit and all like that <laughs> stuff, right, you know, and the swim. Anyway, um, all the neighbors were well kept, um, especially down Mosley Drive and Huntsville, Ashby Street. Mm-hmm. I can't think of anybody called Ashby Street now. They had mansions on Ashby Street. That was really up until maybe about the early 1900s where the black demarcation line stopped and the white began. Mm-hmm. I went to a place called Ashby Theater. It was a theater. We had had a pharmacy next to it, Black Pharmacy, Yates and Milton. Mm-hmm. Had them all over the country. Um, we had uh, uh, when I come up, we didn't have no more trolleys, but we had we had the little buses with electrical buses going around mm-hmm. before they come to wreck other buses. But everywhere I went, you know, we didn't have to really go anywhere uh, because we on the department store. We go to we go over to Auburn Avenue, go to Hunter Street. You want your eyes done on autometrists? You went on Hunter Street. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, one of the first black autometrists. In the state of Georgia was there, and I think in the 1920s, Oddfellows building on um, Auburn Avenue. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I didn't know that, and then um, I didn't know how poor, we, you know, I didn't know, I guess by the day standard, uh, we were seen to be poor. I'm going to show you a picture. This is me when I was about a year old mm-hmm. on, the street of my, uh, on the street of my house. Mm-hmm. And uh, you see how that house kind of looked then. Right. And uh, this is another picture of the neighborhood I was in. You go over there now, you won't look nothing like this now. Right. This is another picture of the houses lined up on the side. This is a black neighborhood. Right. My mother and daddy bought this house. Well, you don't see a picture of the house. This is me when I was just about maybe a couple of months. Uh-huh. They bought this. They built this house in 1948 on Westlake and Tiger Flower. They got the famous uh, black um, uh, uh, boxer. Right. Tiger Flower. So... In Auburn Avenue, my God, you had the uh, American Legions, you had nightclubs, you had a uh, Big Bethel Church. Uh, I had uh, my daddy cousin Ada McDay. She owned a funeral home mm-hmm. on top of black gas stations. You know, and you know, you don't see no black gas, but these are full service black gas stations. Right. Then. I think it was Phillips sixty six. Mm-hmm. On all down Simpson Street, we had drive-ins just like Happy Days, only they were bigger. Mm-hmm. We had two next to each other. They had girls uh, in the in the disco booth, girls on roller skate coming out to your car, mm-hmm. girls sitting on top of the uh, convertibles. Right. Everybody watching everybody. You know, you run your hot your hot rod through. You know, mm-hmm. rip up the engine a little bit. Oh, so yeah. You pull one of them girls. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was an idyllic life for me. I mean, you know, my, my dad, we always had, uh, of course, there were poor areas in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But my dad always had Cadillacs and Buicks. Uh, he was a he was a, one of the black gangsters in town, mm-hmm. one of the financial arm. Uh, some people about my age, they might remember Wesley Merritt, Charlie Cato, Buddy Gloss. Uh, my dad was sleepy. They all had nightclubs and they had... Um, you know, and they ran the numbers. They, they controlled the numbers market in uh, in Georgia until the 70s. Mm-hmm. Even the Dixie Mob, a part of the mafia, um, couldn't even break them. Mm-hmm. And it took the feds until the 70s to break them. But off in the 50s, they did liquor. Uh, they did prostitution, but they didn't too much deal with drugs at that time. Mm-hmm. Heroin was kind of like a you know thing that was only for the farm. But then in the late 60s, of course, uh, heroin got to be a little bit bigger. And then... Um, you know, and opium, and then the hippie movement came out to say, you know, then that mm-hmm. started bringing all the, the drugs in the community. Everybody started seeing money. Okay. Um, you know, using those drugs. But other than that, I mean, but now, in saying that, if you went outside the uh, uh, black neighborhoods, like East Point, fence, that was a black, it was kind of, it was mostly black, but East Point, that was country. Mm-hmm. Douglasville, that was the country. I had a people had farming and uh this is uh, me and my sister one of my sisters and brothers in 1957 that one our people's farm douglasville they own the farm now it looks like to them they might well man them people look poor yeah well they were barefooted running around t-shirt you see how we was wearing christian dior's robert hall you know we all dressed up right. we look like candy to them mm-hmm. we like we be on the farm but we spent we spent our summers on the farm right but they own the farm they own a lot of land they had uh they had uh 
corn. Mm -hmm. um, they they had cows. They had pigs. They had a lot of pigs. Mm -hmm. We used to, matter of fact, we used to buy a spring pig from them. My dad's go and buy a spring pig. Come the first frost, he go out and hunt some rabbits. Mm -hmm. But he go there and kill. They could kill one of them pigs, slaughter them up. So yeah, meat all winter and all the right. next summer, right? Mm -hmm. And then every once in a while, they drop a hog and they, they dig a hole in our backyard. And uh, they drop a pig, they put some coals in there and drop one of them in there, and that's a barbecue. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole hog, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, and uh, we were, you know, my dad, I was, uh, um, I met Martin Luther King when I was young, not personally, but uh, there was a black bowling alley on Mason Turner. Mm -hmm. A lot of black, it was, it was real nice. Back in the day, standard, it'd be a real nice uh, bowling alley. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, him and Coretta and his kids were running around. And, uh, but they were rolling all over the floor. When I was, that was about 13 or 14, and then, you know, that was unheard of, kids out of control like that. Mm -hmm. I said, well, people have a problem with them kids. Right. I guess I wasn't wrong about that one, you mm -hmm. know. But what I, impressed me a lot about Martin Luther King, that he was a father. Yeah. You know, he, he had a father. You know, he was dressed, you know, uh, Coretta was dressed to the nines, right? Like she was going out to a ball or something. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Martin, uh, uh, Martin Luther, he was dressed, you know, in a business shirt. I mean, just a, a dress shirt and, a, and and dress pants, you know, and just mm -hmm. wear, nice clean shoes and everybody. Me and you know, always had a care cut and eat. Mm -hmm. That's how all black men carried themselves when you were something, worth something, right? Okay. So, um, you know, just kind of. Different seeing him as a father, you know, as a pope. By then, he had won the Nobel Peace Prize, and uh, he had uh, he had been uh, uh, stabbed. Uh, uh, he had been beaten ahead by uh, Lester Maddox when he tried to integrate his picric chicken over there. Mm -hmm. And uh, by being in Atlanta, my mother was uh, very uh, was involved in NWSB when she was young. She died early in 1964. Mm -hmm. um, but anyway. Um, you know, she was involved in all that, so I kind of grew up being involved. And, and matter of fact, me and my brother, um, um, in 1960, we were the first two black children to ride the Pink Pig at Riches. Mm -hmm. Now, I had to go into a long story what the, what the Riches were, the Pink Pig. Mm -hmm. But that was a department store right now, so it's a federal building. Okay. And, um, and in 1960, the, um, the uh, student movement... Um, was integrating riches, one of the places they were integrating in. Mm -hmm. So my mother was, she was, she was, uh, she was high. Uh, my dad worked there as a, uh, a baker for a while, but she was, she was passed for white. But she had us, and they, you know, she was bringing us over there and said, What the nigga kids? You got them new kids for, you know, like mm -hmm. that. But uh, one day she just took us up in there. That, that's from the time they were integrating. She just took us up there and put us on the pink pig. Yeah. By the end, they couldn't say nothing because they just about had a, had a given in to Lonnie King, Charles, uh, Charles Black. You can see him on Facebook now. Mm -hmm. he, he's an excellent video about integration in Atlanta uh, during 1960. Uh, when, and plus when Martin Luther King was, uh, was thrown in a car and mm -hmm. taken up to uh, reasonably one of the worst chain gang prisons in uh, Georgia at the time. Right. And um, you know, everybody was scared. They knew he wasn't gonna last long there, so. But that's another story altogether, mm -hmm. they, uh, you know. Okay, so. We got that's the golden age right yeah, yeah. there. So everything and uh, for the people who might not have caught it, what he was saying is there was a lot of black businesses, right? But it wasn't just black businesses. The land was owned by the black people. So when you went to New York, Chicago, L.A., the the black business might have been on the land, but they didn't own the property. He's saying in Atlanta, they owned the entire everything, the homes, the buildings, the businesses, everything he named, he described was owned by black people. So that's, that was not common at that. It's really not common now. A lot of black businesses are not, they don't own the real estate that they operate in. Most of the time we rent it. And you know, for whatever reason that is. So we spoke earlier about um, how we felt, you asked me, what did I think the civil rights mm -hmm. movement started? And I yeah. said, um, I figured it was before yeah. 
Rosa Parks, but yeah. I didn't know exactly when yeah. it could be. And yeah. then you brought up a young lady, which yeah. I got her name. Yeah. I'll, I'll bring her name up for you. Um, her name is uh, Claudette something. That's Let me right. see. Her name is, okay. Her name is Claudette Colvin. Right. And Cla she, and do you want to tell us about her? Yeah. Um, everybody talks about, they give uh, Rosa Parks all the credit mm -hmm. about, um, about the bus boycott, right? And they, they, they even got the audacity to say that she's the mother of uh, the civil rights movement. Well, let's get it straight. The civil rights movement started way before we could uh, that we could know. But the earliest things I could think about would be Sojourner Truth. Mm -hmm. If you look up her, she was she was a, a woman's little before they knew women's little. She actually in a meeting, and I'll get back to what I do. I go off. Mm -hmm. She was in a meeting one time and actually pulled off her blouse and showed her breasts. Yeah. So she said, she said, and she said, I am a woman, right? That's the first where that come from. Mm -hmm. And to let them know that, you know, she was speaking, she was tall and she was strong and, and, and real built, that she knows she was a woman and that they, they should get the same rights that the men get and the black people should get the rights that the white people get during the American Revolution and everything. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Coletta Coleman, mm -hmm. she was an unwed mother and had kids, right? So her and another lady, I don't know the other lady, but they purposely got on the bus and refused to give up their seat to white people and refused to move in front of the bus. Of course, they were arrested, right? But um, so then, uh, um, so that already happened, mm -hmm. you know. So then at the time, by then, um, um, Rosa Parks, uh, you know, she was coming from work and she was just tired. And she got up, you all know the story of that, it's pretty much true. And uh, so she didn't go, but that back then that was a dangerous thing to do. Mm -hmm. You could get beat up in the head. You know, they don't drug men off the bus. Uh, you read Jose Williams' story. You know, it happened to him. You mm -hmm. know, he went to a water fountain, almost beat to death. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, y'all can imagine. I mean, y'all think things are hard, but you don't know what segregation is until you really get into it. I mean, you you know, it's, you see these flashes on the screen, mm -hmm. but everyday life outside of uh, different uh, 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 black areas or heavy control, right? about white people, it was terrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, anybody coming to your community, kill anybody in your community. I mean, every white man thought he was better than any black man ever lived, right? Mm -hmm. I don't care how low he was, right? So it was terrible, they, and, and by pun without punity, without regress of dreams, without, going to, without having to worry about going to trial, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, they'll pat his hands or, or say something nasty to him, let him go. But anyway, so when Rosa Parks did that, this was going on, Rosa Parks was married, she didn't have children. She was, you know, and, and I hate to say it, but she was fair-skinned. Mm -hmm. That meant a lot back then. Yeah. You were light-skinned and uh, almost white. You could go. Mm -hmm. um, you were even elevated to different positions. So she was fair-skinned. She was pretty educated. She used to do work, secretary work at the, uh, you know, out of charity for the uh, church. Mm -hmm. So, well, she was, a, she was a poster child. But now, mm -hmm. that's, that's the last thing she did, as far as I know. Mm -hmm. She actually, her and her husband, because they were terrified of all the uh, people th threatening to kill them, they ran off to Detroit doing the whole situation. Mm -hmm. Now, at the same time, the uh, Colette Coleman and other young lady, they stayed there and until the case was resolved. Mm -hmm. And then here we have it, freedom. But for some reason, they give all this uh, uh, thing to uh, uh, Rosa Parks. Right? Yeah. So, so what I'm getting, what I want, and I also read about it after you told me yeah, about yeah. it too. So, Rosa Parks. She got the attention for right. it, and everything sparked up because yeah. she seemed more poster child. Like right. yeah. everybody got the moving, but Rosa Parks wasn't even around for it. She right. left because She's she gone. she was afraid of a uh, yeah. of, right. of, of, of legitimate uh, soul. Cause this right. serious business retaliation. Yeah, yeah. But um, what I was also reading, Miss yeah. Colvin, yeah. she was the she was the one that pretty much closed the case with her testimony. That's right. So she stuck around, and you said she was a teen mother yeah, at the time. She was she was a, she was a very mom. young lady, yeah. Yeah. and she stuck around through the whole thing. Yeah. 
she uh, testified. She was the last person to testify, actually, too. That's right. She beat the um, the, the local mm-hmm. court. They sent it up to the Supreme Court, right. and they upheld it. They said that what they did to that young lady was unconstitutional. Unconstitutional, yeah. And they talk about Rosa Parks. Yeah, and this yeah. lady was there the whole yeah, time because yeah. she was a young, unwed, I black teen right. mother. She was they, unacceptable because yeah. back then, being an unwed mother was, I mean, that was nasty. Yeah. You were a dog. You were nobody. You was the worst thing. Hmm. A black woman, you know, it's like, you know, right now it's a cliche. I mean, and you can imagine where, like, what, what I mean, like 60% of women are, uh, uh, I mean, 60% of mothers that they, they never were married or have children or something like that, some ungodly high number. Mm-hmm. But back then, it was like 70, 80% of women that were ma- that was married had children. Mm-hmm. You know, that was it. Matter of fact, that's one of the reasons a lot of people didn't have sex before the birth control came out mm-hmm. because they were more afraid. We weren't afraid of much diseases that a lot of people said because we didn't really know about a lot of diseases. Mm-hmm. And they were being used upon us, right? But before the birth control came, we didn't, you know, you had sex. The only thing you was worried about, you know, was having a child. So they did, you know, things that, you know, people mm-hmm. would do nowadays. Right. Yeah, but uh, but that was that was the case. But then when that came, that, that you know, if you, you can check it out, Anything I tell you, you know, like I tell you, you can always follow it up. Mm-hmm. And they talking about the freedom movement, the woman's the sexual freedom movement. That was what the hippie thing was all about. A lot of it was about that. Once they found that, no longer. But see, it was experimenting on black women in the South, which have huge uh, families. Like my uh, mother, my mother's, uh, uh, gr- my grandmother had like nine siblings and that's like in georgia that's like okay mm-hmm. and in my family we had four we was a small family we was the modern day family you know four kids mother and daddy that was a right um but um you know uh back when they were you know so so they had the most healthy most live pregnancies in georgia in the southeast the whole southeast and in africa mm-hmm. so they experimented these things it was uh part of the process that it started over in california hitler uh, 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 they Hitler took it, took it from California. They did it in South Carolina and all around. They perfected that sterilization process. Mm-hmm. But there might have been a better way to prevent, you know, to prevent pregnancies and still a woman still, I guess that's humane, a woman still be able to have babies. So they were, they were as, as forms of like experimenting with yeah, birth control, they right. were sterilizing people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, well, you know, you know, you some women have a lot of problem with birth control. They had to kept affecting birth control and started. Mm-hmm. But but to tell a woman that she could have sex with anybody, I mean, bam. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I mean, in the 60s, uh, you walk over out Piedmont Park or Peachtree Street when the hippies moved in, mm-hmm. you know, hey, so brother, you cool, I'm cool. You want to have sex? <laughs> and I said, like, okay, wow. cool. That's <laughs> crazy. I'm serious. It was... I mean, you can talk about it. it was just that wow. And sisters, and you know, and then they would say, "I'm like having sex for the revolution." I mean, mm. I mean, that was a thing. You know, it was it was so uncommon. It wasn't even a thing. You know, I mean, it was just like, you know, you gave a girl a ride. You know, you know, <laughs> wasn't no wasn't no conversation. She know, she know, you know, yeah. pay to play, right? Wow. So it, it was, you know, I guess looking back, people said, "Oh, that's misogynistic uh, or something." So I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it was it was just like common. But before then. Um, when I was going to high school, a lot of guys were talking about, oh, I did this. Man, look at here. You he, he wasn't getting nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, the good girls did, didn't and the bad girls didn't. It was just a few handful of bad girls, so-called bad girls, that right. had sex. But, I mean, you know, I, I dated one girl. My first girlfriend, I, I talked to her once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, we dated for years, never had sex. We had to be kissed about three times. Went to the, I took her to a prom, both to a proms, went mm-hmm. to parties and stuff like that. Never did anything, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was cool, you know. I didn't expect anything. She just she right. she damn so good, you know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know yeah. Don't give it up, right? Mm-hmm. But that was uh, that was life at that time. So, all right. So we're in the 
that's the women's lib, so that's around sixties. Mm -hmm. right? Thought it was sixty sixties and seventies, yeah. Okay. So let's go let's go back to reconstruction. Okay. How did we get how do we get the Pittsburgh's Mechanicville? Oh yeah. Auburn yeah, Street. Yeah, how did yeah, it how did it yeah. how we get it? Oh, well, could you explain what uh, why Pittsburgh and Mechanicsville and these things have these right. names too? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the uh, uh, Pittsburgh, Somerville, Somerville starts over there where the, the stadium's at. It used to be a very prosperous black neighborhood mm -hmm. uh, at Somerville. Then Pittsburgh was right next to it, and then Mechanicsville. And Mechanicsville's still around. It's over there. I can't think of the name of the street right now. Oh, God bless me. But anyway, uh, there was so much work going on, so many factories, smoking factories and everything. So somebody came from Pittsburgh and seen all those factories mm -hmm. and all those type of stuff. So they said, oh, this is like Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. You know, they got all these mills and steel mills and stuff like that. So they called it Pittsburgh. I don't know why they called it Summerhill, but it was it was a prosperous black neighborhood right mm -hmm. now. Mechanicsville, they called Mechanicsville because that's where the uh, black people worked on the railroad. They, they did, they fixed trains and were mechanics on the train. Mm -hmm. Also, they had a lot of places you can get your car fixed. And they still got a couple of old... Uh, uh, places, you know, car, uh, car things where, you know, they fix cars and stuff like that over there, you know, it's another place. But it was an influenced neighborhood. They had, um, they had all the, you know, everywhere you went, there's um, big churches, mm -hmm. well, I uh, mean, people, every Sunday, every church in Atlanta, black church in Atlanta was full. It was, might have been, 90% of black church in Atlanta are gone. Hmm. I mean, every street, Ashby Street, Hunter Street, uh, Simpson, Auburn Avenue, uh, Houston, every, uh, Decatur, all of them had, uh, 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 you know, dozens and dozens of churches. And then streets I could, I don't even remember, no. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and all of Somerville, Mechanicsville, and Peoplestown was the other one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there were trees everywhere. And then you had Buttermilk Bottom. And then the poor white neighborhood was Cabbage Town down, down the way a little bit. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, people had a lot of pride in their communities. And they, put, they invested a lot of money. And even our schools were uh, up better standards. Most of our schools are high schools. And of course, colleges were in better standards than the average black school in a lot of places because one thing in the community, if you have more money, you put into, you have more money in the community, then they usually the tax base, they usually put more money into the school. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Booker T. Washington, David T. Howard, Price, Harper, um, um, Turner. Now, um, you know, a lot of schools are named after important black people. Like, um, I went to high school called Turner. Mm -hmm. Turner, um, Turner was named after one of the bishops of the AME Church uh, back in the 1800s. Mm -hmm. uh, Mars Brown Fence was named after Mars Brown, the second bishop of AME Church after Richard Allen. Mm -hmm. You know, all those kind of things. Uh, E.C. Clement Elementary School, she was educated sometime in the early 1900s. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, uh, you know, but Reconstruction. Reconstruction. All right, uh, Reconstruction, it, this is how it happened. Uh, during, uh, after 1865, you know, uh, all of a sudden, uh, they brought the, uh, the 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 Northern Army was 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 cleaning up the South. It, the Civil War just didn't stop because it was over in '65. You know, mm -hmm. there was still guerrilla out going on. There was still people uh, trying to bring back the South again and start a start resurgence. So they had to all do the way there to squash them down. Mm -hmm. So then um, they started picking black people, choosing black people, and put them in office. Right, Georgia, we had senators, congressmen, and stuff like that. Right, uh, I mean state officers and stuff. Um, they had a governing, uh, black governor in Louisiana during that time. But we were passing laws like in 1870. I got my constitution around here. I can't remember what it is. But the law that a lot of people discuss about was about being a born a natural citizen of the United States. 14th that was, Amendment. Yeah, the 14th Amendment. That was mm -hmm. us that did that. Yeah. Why was that important? Because up until then, you had to be a white man. You had to have property. And that was necessary to prove that you would be a citizen. Mm -hmm. You know, and a lot of countries still had it. You know, you had to be. 
I don't know. You just can't all of a sudden be born, be a foreigner born and you'd be a citizen. Mm -hmm. But that was one of the things that we did very important that really perfected this system. So now, so a lot of people say slaves, when they got free, they said, what a free ball, what are we gonna do? Mm -hmm. Well, that ain't the case. You're gonna do the same thing you always did. You're gonna <laughs> build buildings, you're gonna have livestock, you're mm -hmm. gonna grow crops and food, mm -hmm. but this time you're getting paid for it. You know, it's your money. You know, right. it's your crops and food you're producing. And a lot of black people had man, they have two people had farms um, over in Douglasville and down here in Stockbridge. Mm -hmm. So I know where the farms are. Something I had, uh, my uncle in Stockbridge, he was in the agents. He still was plowing with mules. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I was early 50s. I was about maybe six, seven years old when I was going. So, but, so the black people still had that ambition to have something, want something for themselves, right? I mean, Let's look at Atlanta in, in that, that time. And I think um, W. E. Du Bois wrote a book about Reconstruction. Some of it was good about the black phone. They didn't know Reconstruction was over with. So is the black folk. So is the black phone. Yeah, it's a good book. He did a book, so he did a book about Reconstruction, too. I can't think of the name. But of, that book came out in that yeah, time. It was right, like 1897 or something right. like that. Yeah, Yeah. so when his son passed away. Okay. Um, and he was working at over there at uh, Morehouse and Atlanta okay. University. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so... Uh, so we did the same thing we did. We kept on building and building a business. Atlanta's a good space back, you know, like, that's a good place to really look at that. Mm -hmm. You look at Atlanta, you take now um, Big Bethel Church. That was built in 1847, even before the Civil War. Went. Uh, Friendship Baptist Church actually started, not, not from, yeah, Friendship and a couple of those churches in Van City started by then. But uh, uh, Wheat Street Baptist Church, um, that started before the Civil War was over with. But the Civil War, they actually you know, had, uh, took care of older women and taught uh, former free slaves uh, uh, about trade and stuff like that, mm -hmm. right? Helped them out on and on. Then they finally built a building something. Okay, you had uh, about it, you know, that time you had A.D. Williams and them. People moving from Greene County and stuff like that. Born a slave or from slave. You had one of the richest, uh, one of the first, one of the first millionaire, not the first millionaire, but one of the first millionaires now, uh, Herndon, Alfonso Herndon. Check him out. Mm -hmm. He was, you know, he was born in slavery. And by his own means, he came up and um, and became one of the wealthiest people in the land. He came a millionaire. You know, he came up, I mean, a lot of people say that. We don't have no. They came up from nothing, you know. We say nothing, that means, oh, we got a little apartment somewhere. Mm -hmm. or, you know, we got welfare, food stamps and stuff like that. Whatever, you know, we say nothing. We, we don't, our, our view of poverty is, is relative to what we see around the people, what people have around us. Right. Now, nothing is nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you don't have no way to eat. You don't have, you know, you, you got you got to scrounge for yourself to get food. Right. Uh, you got to. Uh, there ain't no welfare. Mm -hmm. You don't get no medical care. There ain't no transportation. You know, right. you can't catch a bus. Anything. I mean, this is. I mean, the only thing you can make is digging on the ground. Um, so anyway, but they took this nothing and they were still inspired to want more for themselves, to do more and have more. And guess what? Pass it on to their children. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, you put our people, you know, and Booker T. Washington, Atlanta was was when I was coming up. We all had the idea of Booker T. Washington, right? Mm -hmm. To build up, to have, to have, to have a uh, property, mm -hmm. to be. Um, I think in my family it was God first, and then your family was second, your community was third, and your race was fourth in that order. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So anything that you had, right? That if back then, if a black person had some, everybody was you could hold your head up when 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 uh, you go, oh yeah, we own that, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. all right, yeah, yeah, you know, mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, there's uh, 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 lawyer Johnson. I remember he opened up a Holiday Inn, and then there was the Pascals, and then there was the Davisons, and uh, you know, and the Brunner brothers and stuff like that, right? 
And even before then, I'd like to say, uh, Alfonso, uh, uh, Alfonso, uh, Alfonso Herndon. Mm -hmm. He had one of the best barbershops between Richmond and Mobile, catered to white people, solely for white people. He couldn't go in the front door his own thing. But he had Crystal mm -hmm. Chandeliers, 66 Peace Street, if y'all want to look it up. And yeah, Crystal Chandeliers is spot, uh, Crystal Chandeliers spot. He had black bars, but he had white clientele. But because of that, he was able to to get information about buying property, mm, right? Yeah. So he bought hundreds of acres over there around Auburn Avenue, over there at Vance City, and uh, down in Florida. I can't remember the place in Florida he bought it for, bought it from. So uh, by doing that, he had massive fortune. And then in 1906, blacks lived in that area and had businesses in that area. Mm -hmm. Now, the, when blacks started moving to the west side, per se, and back over towards Fourth Ward, like, uh, you know, Auburn, Auburn Avenue, Broadway, and all the kind of streets, right? Um, 1906, they had a race ride. Then uh, they started on Peachtree Street, and then happened the day that uh, Alfonso wasn't in his barbershop. They burned the barbershop and killed one of his employees, and they killed another barbershop of black men. They killed three or four black men. So they killed, I guess, the tally now, that the official tally is 25. Some people, I've heard people say it was as much as 100, mm -hmm. right? And they say maybe two or three white people got killed. Now, I heard it was like... 25 to 50 white people got killed because when they hit Butler Street, guess what? They ran in black people that had guns. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, because guess what? We fought it. We fought in every back then. I guess it was uh, what uh, the Spanish American War. You know, <laughs> down there in uh, Puerto mm -hmm. Rico and stuff. Yeah. You know, we had the Black Buffalo soldiers. They had fought in the Civil War. They had man. We we fought in every battle, little business. Country. Even before it was America, we was fighting. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, so. You know, but here in Atlanta, we just had that urge that this is mine. I'm going to make it mine. I'm not going to ask for anything. I'm going to have my own thing, right? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? People are going to look up to me not because I'm an athlete or a player, because I have my own thing. Right. Even the athletes and players don't look to me because I got my own thing. Right. Walla Hodge, I was built by Mr. Akins. He, he had a big, he had a farm down, but he had farms in Atlanta when I was coming up. Mm -hmm. He had a farm down the street from there in the lake. We used to go down chasing cows and shoot water markets. That's all, if y'all don't know, it's between Whitaker Circle and Anderson Avenue, mm -hmm. off of Tiger Fly, right? And off of Simpson. But anyway, so, but it was that kind of thing. And everybody I knew when I was coming up, you know, for black images, right? Even the most humble, right? They were always hard workers. They had businesses, even a small business. And they cared about their business. You know, people say go black, but see, back when I was doing, when, when they said black business, man, he was he gave you good as a better you can get in a white community. Mm -hmm. You know what that means? Mm -hmm. When we call black people, you go to a place, the place all jacked up, they trying to sell drugs out the back door, mm -hmm. or they selling like suits and 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 baubles and stuff like that. Right. But you know, I went, I was coming, you had pharmacies, you had grocery stores, you know, you had uh five and dimes, you know, like ace like ace hardware, but only but they got food other stuff, you know, right. cookies and stuff, right. sawdust floors, right? Um you had uh, autometrists, you know, you had uh, you had hospitals, you had, I don't know, you know, you mm -hmm. had, we had Brummer Brothers, you know, they had a factory, they were building, they were making cosmetics. Right. And then most black people you bought from them, well, hell, they bought it from some other black person. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, you buy a dashiki, look at the dashiki, what it says, <laughs> Mexico, in Mexico, Mexico, mm -hmm. or made in China, right? right. You know, right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we all black men. You can you don't have to even think about it. Most of the most of the the uh, most needed stuff. You know your food, um, certain things, shoes and stuff like that. You know they you had they had, had places you could have shoes made for you. Mm -hmm. um, the only thing I didn't the place I went to have clothes made me for it was a Jewish place. It was a place we just called Jewtown downtown. I can't think of the area they were in. When I was young, I had my own job, and that's another thing. 
My daddy put us to work. He put me to work when I was 10 years old. I had my own job when I was 13. I used to buy my own clothes because hmm. I didn't like I didn't like the suits daddy got me because of Robert Hall. That's kind of like, I don't know. Be kind of like, I don't know, some of these, one of these suit stores around here. So I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I got my suits made. I got my clothes made down there at a Jewtown. Got some sickle, uh, uh, the iridescent pants. Mm -hmm. And I used to go to Rope and get an alpaca knit shirt and buy the Stetson hat. <laughs> you know, them Stetson, mm -hmm. them alligator shoes and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. you know. And silk socks, you know what I'm saying? So, mm -hmm. you know, I look like a player, you know, but I was working. I was working a job. I had my own car when I was 14, 13, 14. Mm -hmm. My daddy got the car. He said, you take care of it. So I had a Rocket 88, Delta 88. Yeah. And uh, um, I took care of it. I took the tires, gas, and you know, I didn't daddy for nothing. And then when I was 16, he bought me a, um, uh, he bought me a brand new, a Dodge, uh, a hot rod, uh, a Dodge, a Dodge, I don't know, it was a 383 Dodge, a Cornet. Okay. Yellow, bucket seats, mm -hmm. ram charge transmission, black vinyl top, mm -hmm. sucker was tight, a bag rims, real mag rim. And the white folks would go crazy when they see me driving, they'd be <laughs> mad at me. I be burning that rub all down, up and down Sewer Road, right, mm -hmm. coming out of high school. But anyway, um, but it was just that kind of thing, you know, it was pride. Everything that we did, we were, we were, we were, we were, we wasn't holding, you know, my dad always said, don't look, uh, don't, don't let, don't look over, uh, look over somebody better than you. Mm -hmm. And don't look nobody underneath you. You know what I'm saying? Don't look down at nobody and don't envy nobody. Right. What you have is yours. And I'm the same way anybody tell you. I don't envy nobody. I got sisters and brothers that's balling. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I got people that, you know, some doing bad than I am, right? And then I'm doing, you know, I think I'm doing bad. Then I know it's people, you know, what's the old saying? Uh, I cried because I had no shoes and I saw a man with no feet. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't look down. I go down and help with the homeless sometimes with, uh, with, with Laquan Alexander and them. Right. That's where my daddy used to do. My daddy used to take us around, you know, and show us, you know, show us, you know, show us our family that were poor and everything. You know, he didn't look down on them. We'd sit, get, sit down, you know, go out to the farm, you know, have a drink, you know, drink some moonshine or something. We couldn't do it. It was kids. We mm -hmm. should up and get some peach brandy or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, homemade peach brandy, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, we sit, you know, we sit around people. We people. You know, they come to our house, they people, you know. Right. You know, the, back then, all your furniture was plastic and stuff. You mm -hmm. know? <laughs> you know, so, but, you know, that was, you know, you didn't have that attitude. But what you didn't like, you know, our family mom was God bless the child, God is on. Right. right. I, I forgot that song a bit, but, you know, the famous singer, right? But anyway, um, but that was the thing. You help people that help themselves. Mm -hmm. But the thing that they didn't like is somebody that depended on, that wanted other people to help them, they didn't do nothing for themselves, right? Right. But, oh, man, that was like, you know, my family, you know, my dad and them. That's the only person we, you know, we didn't want to have nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. You know, it was people trying to take something for somebody, you know, try to live off of that, right? But that's the attitude. And um, that was the most attitude in Atlanta, you know. And, you know, if you really... Uh, talk about W. D. Boyce and the conflict he had with um, um, Booker T. Washington mm -hmm. and the Atlanta Compromise, right? You know, the Cottonick, he was at the Cottonick position in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. um, you see the type of attitude that was different. A lot of people say that he was uh, talking about being subsistent, being servants to the white people. Right. No, the compromise he made was, and you know, Booker T. Washington did something similar. I'm done. Marcus Garvey did something similar that 1920 or 22 when he came down to Atlanta mm -hmm. and met the head of the Ku Klux Klan, the mm -hmm. Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan, right? But what his thing was was that we take care of ourselves. You know, we're you know we're gonna build for ourselves. We're gonna have our own money. Mm -hmm. We're gonna do things for ourselves, right? And and we're not gonna try to integrate with you. We don't want nothing you have, and therefore you leave us alone. We won't try to vote. We won't try to have all these other things. Mm -hmm. We're gonna build and do for ourselves. And you know, if you really think about it, that's what people try, um, are confusingly trying to say today, mm -hmm. right? 
because that would have been great. But then when others like uh, W. Du Bois and others start looking at talking about uh, enfranchisement, integration, right? They weren't talking about, there's a difference between integration and assimilation, mm -hmm. okay? But what they were talking about is borderline assimilation. What integration we're talking about, even, uh, um, even uh, um, uh, Martin Luther King, God bless his soul, they were talking about that we want to have the same things that you're allowed to have. Now, when I was coming, you weren't allowed to have things. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, because you were black. Uh, you could have the money. They didn't want your money because you were black, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, my, and be, be honest with you, a lot of times I said, well, thank you very much. I don't want to spend my money with you anyway. Right. Yeah, because you don't want my money. Hey, I can spend my money on something better else, you know. Mm -hmm. I'll go out the way and find another black place or something. Right, right. Or somebody else want me. You know, I'll, I'll, they'll profit from me. That's how he was able to integrate Atlanta. That's a long story, too. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so if you look at that kind of idea and concept and look, look how things are now, it's almost like I work with a lot of uh, young black panthers, a lot of different groups now, and it looks like they want something. They expect something. They got their hand out and say, well, give me this and you should do that. And, and they be, I see them on a, I see a video on Facebook. I see some some thug-looking guy arguing with a black man in a suit going up to a state capitol, punching his finger in him, and everybody's saying, yeah, tell him, tell him. He, what you what you holding back from me? Uh, you should tell us. You, well, you know what? And, I, and, and people got mad. I said, why don't you get an education? Mm -hmm. Why don't you go inside the state house? You know, I, you can go up to the state house of Georgia. I go up there sometimes. Go up to the state house of, of Georgia and sit in. Mm -hmm. Go up to the city council of Southern Go to your your county, your county seat, well, and you can sit in and listen. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you can make a, you can make you can make uh, you can you can you can you can speak for yourself too. Mm -hmm. If you want to know, read. You know, it's no no miracle that you see some blacks up there. They're not that because they have something or because they're a part of something. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make them a spy or Uncle Tom or something like that. That doesn't right. make them like that. Matter of fact, you we need people like that mm -hmm. to uplift us and make sure that we get our share. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And not to look at them as some kind of enemy. I mean, you see somebody got, oh man, he's an athlete or something. You ride down on Buckhead, you see a guy on a, on a, on a, on a um, I don't know, I did that too one time. I, I, had, a, I had the same problem doing it. I seen a guy one of those uh, Bentleys. Mm -hmm. You know, he had his hat turned around and everything. I'm saying, oh, there you go. He must be P. Diddy somewhere up down one of them entertainers. <laughs> or mm -hmm. He was one of them athletes, right? Turn out the man, you know, I see the man at a different time, right? He's a CEO of his own company, right? He's, yeah. he's busting billions, you know. Mm -hmm. We got black billionaires, believe it or not. Not, yeah. not Oprah Winfrey. Mm -hmm. Not just Oprah Winfrey and Michael Jackson. Wood. We got black billionaires that built their business up from what? Nothing, mm -hmm. right? And then you got people like Trump that you know had a, had a had a shot at it, right? I don't hate them, but you got other white people like Redstone. You got some of these other white people, man. They start over nothing, man. They billionaires, multi billionaires. They trying to give money. We don't know what to do with their money. Mm -hmm. They trying to 50, uh, 50, 40 billion. What what is it like? One percent of the world, uh, ten people, um, half of them live in America. Eight of them live in America. Controls ninety percent of the money. Over five hundred billion dollars. I think they. I think they lying to us. I think we're gonna see the first trillionaire in my lifetime. I believe. Mm. Right. But I think it's a lot more than that. But but you just think about that. Yeah. They told ninety percent of the money, and so. But we've turned away from that, and and you look at some statistics. I look at some statistics the other day. It's less black people in business than it was in my lifetime. Mm. Well, that well. You know, to be honest, uh, you couldn't get a job. You can walk up to uh, uh, to a white man or go to a, a business, a white corporation, say, hey, "Look, a Coca Cola somewhere. I want a job." They said, okay, yeah, <laughs> you know, what you doing here? They call the police, get pushed out, right? right? But now you can get those jobs. And see, that's one, one thing a lot of people don't understand, the difference between segregation and people being angry at the white men. Mm -hmm. Don't blame the white men. 
Blame yourself. And if you came up in a dire way, blame your parents. But but count your blessings, mm -hmm. right? Count what you have. If you see what you have, you breathe easy. Mm -hmm. The only reason I'm involved, still involved with the military movement, because I see the trend. I see the trend that they're taking more of our rights that we fought for hundreds of years. I seen people die in the streets, right? Mm -hmm. I see people get their head beat in. You know, for the for the for, for the little things that you got now, and you're gonna throw them away. Mm -hmm. You don't want it's the white man. Yeah, this is the white man's thing. The white man's thing. What's the white man's thing? Mm -hmm. Right? You know, I mean, what you? Oh, we oh, you got two or three black men that did this. We got thousands of black people, millions of black people that built with their own mind. Right? Mm -hmm. Study 1700s and see what black people were doing then. Right? Mm -hmm. You know that slavery started actually picking up around the late 1700s, early 1800s. Mm -hmm. So what you see a lot of is 1830 up, right? Why did it happen? Mm -hmm. It started picking up because then we started doing, as we expanded, the country expanded, we started doing more agriculture, right? Mm -hmm. we, we were a grand society. There was money in cotton, you know. Uh, there was, uh, you know, we was rivaling our former colonists, right, uh, 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 Britain, who, who controlled India and all the cotton. Right. So we become in commerce, right? We become, so they needed more hands, right, as a labor intensive. And then when they came up with the cotton gin, mm -hmm. well, it was an easy way to treat the cotton. So they, so they, they could have this cotton they want, and they could build it up and then turn it into linen. Mm -hmm. They opened up factories all up, up in uh, Massachusetts, right? Uh, River Falls, Massachusetts, opened the first, opened the first textile mills. So now we becoming, our former colonists, we becoming a, a financial, a powerhouse to take them on. But right. but guess what the problem is? The problem is that we were coming from an agrarian society to a technology a technological society. Mm -hmm. It don't seem like much right now, but if you think about it, we're all technology now. Right. We just we don't forgot the agriculture, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you tell somebody, you know, we should go out and grow our own food. It's man, I ain't working on no damn farm. I wanna be a computer engineer. Mm -hmm. That's okay, but hey, you're not doing anything really. I mean, well it's more than doing you wanna be a businessman. Yeah. Right. You know, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, you're not really producing anything, right? Mm -hmm. But to produce something is the key. That's how you build your communities. All right. Now if you want to build a community, it's simple. Like you said, well, I ain't got all the solutions. That's a lie, man. It's easy. Look back in the past. You want to look and see how you build a community. Mm -hmm. Um, I was you know, one thing I was talking to somebody was saying, uh, well, how are we gonna take over our community? How are we gonna do it with me? The white man, the white man. No, the, the white man is your problem right now, right? Look at what Fred Hampton did when he became when he was the um, the deputy minister of the Black Panther Party in Chicago. Mm -hmm. He united all the groups, right? And then a lot of people think Black Panther. We stand up with guns. We was in the white man's face. That was part of it. But that wasn't the problem. That's why we wasn't doing it. Mm -hmm. We were looking at our constitutional right to bear firearms. We used to follow police to make sure they would do their job and not abuse the black the people they're supposed to be taken care of, right? Mm -hmm. But that's what it was. And another thing that we did. We um we had a, a breast of children program. Mm -hmm. That was a one thing, but you know, you think about it now, everybody got, you know, all the school, public school, they didn't have it then. A child went to school home and left and left home, you know. You know, scrounge, you know, I don't seen people kids in a in a drug day scrounging around for, for cockroaches trying to eat or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. It gets bad when you really want to talk about poverty. But anyway, so we did that. We had the medical thing. We did uh we got people elected in the office. We that's another thing to do. You don't wait till the vote. It's like, oh the vote, the vote. Way before the vote, get together, uh, uh, nominate somebody or yourself, mm -hmm. get your application, fill it out, get people to sign it, right? Turn it in, right? And run for office, get people to support you to run for office. Right. We need, we just need to start from the, the dog catch on up. Mm -hmm. You know, they still do the judges. All the, you know, a lot of judges in Georgia are elected. Yeah. 
um, district attorneys are elected. You know, no, no, no. So let's start there. You worried about the judicial system? Then we should start changing that by a vote. We did that. We did that in the seventies. You see all these black judges and everything now. It, you know, a lot of them forgot. A lot of them came from New York, Chicago. They don't forgot how it was, so they done kind of took some kind of crazy issue. And, 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 they, and we really see our kids, man. They walk around, you know, uh, um, looking like gangsters. Mm -hmm. You know, killing killing people, killing themselves, killing, snatch, taking people's cars, more people. That is frightening for an older person. Right? Mm -hmm. So how are we going to combat that? You know, only your own, kids, your own kids killing them. Killing them. You know what I mean? Uh, your grandkids killing people. And and right now, most of the children are being kept by their grandparents. It's unbelievable. And not just black, but whites too. And uh, so what has happened? What is causing? What we want to do to change this? To, to, we want to change this, then you got to work. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, you say work, you got to, oh man, nobody want to hear you. You know? And look at all the so-called black leaders now. All these militant guys. Uh, uh, I don't call people, now. I don't call one out. David Banner, mm -hmm. Banner, right? Look at him, man. Oh, kill the police. You know what? When I, when, when, when I was that age, they were talking that. They were doing what they said. Hmm. Right? Right. They walked the walk. They didn't have killed, you know, like I could, uh, the, 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 the uh, Africa, Africa come. So some of the Mau Mau's boys came from uh, Vietnam. Had them black bands around. They, went, they used to say kill the white people, kill the police. Guess what? They went out and killed the police. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, really. I mean, literally. Figuratively. I, you know, like, you know, let me go there. <laughs> Yeah. They went out and killed, they went on cop. They said, well, kill this white man, rape, you know, they were raping some black child, and they went and killed him. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No doubt. And and what is wrong with if you see a black man killing another black man, black killing a black, right? Why do we don't pay attention to that? We, we'll get thousands, millions of people to go about one cop abusing a black person, killing a black person, which is right. Mm -hmm. Show no attention. Of all the black, look how many black people in Clayton County in the last year. I, you know, I was at a lot of those things. I went to myself, but then I got burnt out. You know, so uh, you know, I'm elderly, so I'm a little, you know, I can't do all that like right. I want to. Right. And then I sometimes be out there by myself. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's just simple thing, just going out there and holding their hand, uh, talking to them. People appreciate that. Mm -hmm. uh, when the camera leaves, you still there. Right. Right. That's that's what they want. That's what then people recognize. That's how you build power. Mm -hmm. Money's not power. You can get a million dollars. You can lose it tomorrow if you don't have the power and intelligence to keep it. Mm -hmm. If you want power, you work from it. You make yeah people respect you for who you are and what you do, not what you say. Right. Right. And that's all I see with the with the military community. You asked me. We talked about that on the phone. Mm -hmm. That's what I see that's wrong with the military community. What I see that's right with it and all over in the civil rights and the military movement today, that we have a lot of people that's ready to do something. Oh man, you drop you drop a dime. They'll go out there, man, and put their lives on the line. They'll go out there and start beating it, beating the police with the with the signs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Maybe had the streets full. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know they down down for that. But then you talking about actually doing something? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, they just disappear. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and I was in the Black Panthers in Atlanta. Unfortunately, I came about the same time that, that uh, right after Fred Hampton, and Mark Clark got killed. I was in the Liberation Front, Georgia Black Liberation Front, and mm -hmm. we were very very militant, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, when I got a Black Panther, by then they start getting into drugs, man. Part it. He wasn't about. I actually helped a lady get her uh, child out of juvenile. Uh, uh, I can't remember the lady's name. Zerus. His name is Zerus Malcolm. Mm -hmm. He was he was uh, in the juvenile. and He wouldn't let him out. His mother was protesting. I got a bunch of people out there and protest and spoke at the protest. Right. Mm -hmm. They really and and, and uh, the guy was head of Black Panther down. We was on top of Ashby Theater out there, Simpson. Uh, uh, Simpson. I mean, excuse me, Ashby and Honor Street. He told me, he asked me why they do that. I bring too much attention on them. 
you know, guess what? And, and then when I left, he became my best dealer, my best dealer for reefer, man. You know, he was, <laughs> he was out of California, man. He was, getting, he was getting gold bricks out of Columbia, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. He's called, he's called it, uh, they call it that red looking reefer, man. It had the crystals on it. It was so, had so much TCC crystals on it. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm about? I'm mm-hmm. And then, of course, the boys out of Nome was getting raw hair and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But that's how everybody, uh, you know, it became the, uh, the super fly and all that. Everybody wanted to be a pimp. Everybody mm-hmm. wanted to, to be fly, have a lot of money in their pocket, you know. Mm-hmm. Mayfield and all them singing songs about super fly and all that kind of stuff, right? right. And hell, I had my stinking leaking brief. <laughs> you know, I, I did that sunroof top, yeah. you know, in a black leather, you know, yellow, yellow, canary yellow, you know, and all bucket seats and all like that, you mm-hmm. know. You know, four H's in the, in the park of the bar, truck of the truck, you know right, what I'm saying? Right, right. You know, so... But that's what we become. We had left all that. But then a lot of us start growing up. A lot of Milton, we start growing up, right? Because we had reached a point now, we saw we had parity. Mm-hmm. That we, we jobs was open to us. Opportun- all we had to do is go get the opportunity. We had begged for it. We had fought for it. Our, our mother and father died for it and fought for it. Our grandparents and the, their grandparents. Well, I'm the great-great-grandson of a slave, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he, they died and worked for it and bah, 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 bah. So, you know... And uh, of course, you know, a lot of us were already here anyway for slavery started. We were Indians, you know, mm-hmm. we were the Native Americans. That's right. the whole story together. Right, right. But anyway, so why would I say, okay, I don't want this because the white man still got no, mm-hmm. no? Because when I, when I, I, I learned, uh, I became machinist at one time. Um, I started driving trucks. Now, when I first started driving trucks. It was so many black black trucking companies around Atlanta. It was just insane. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned for a gangster owner, uh, Wesley Mary was a gangster. He owned about 12, 13 international. That's how I was 18 years old. I wasn't too young to drive. But I, you know, I could drive a stick. Mm-hmm. Cause hell, that's how I learned to drive my car. You know, we had a stick, all the cars had sticks. Right. But anyway, so, you know, I know I'm going all over the map, right? <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but anyway, that was the type, you could think of the mindset. If you had that kind of mind and had the, the will, the anger, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, I mean, righteous anger, not just crazy anger. Cause right. you can't do nothing with anger. You right. know, anger, you blind yourself. You, you, you don't know where to put hands. You, you don't want to touch this and touch that. You get dirty, right? Mm-hmm. But if you had the will that we had then and the drive that, it, that the kids had and the knowledge and the intelligence, right? But you got to learn. That's, that's another bad thing with this kind of, I mean, so much knowledge. Nobody know how to disseminate it. Mm-hmm. You know, just like you asked me a couple questions. I gave you a couple things you found out. Mm-hmm. That opened you up the door for something else, right? You right. get a better understanding. Like we was talking about the history of Martin Luther King, right? Mm-hmm. Then you get a better dimension instead of just seeing some flashes across the TV right. or some party, or some speech or some a, a, a small out of context part of his speech. Headline. A headline, yeah. right? And you get to understand what happened, right? Mm-hmm. So if 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 I could just convince uh the young people today, slow down, take a deep breath, right? Stop the noise, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't have you half of what you see and none of what you hear, right? Mm-hmm. Stop the noise. Research. Right? Mm-hmm. If somebody like me tell you something, well, go find it. Because right? that's why that's what I like about Google now. Right. I said, bu, bu, go find it. Google it up. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But if you said listen to some of these uh, uh uh other these so called black they make up stuff that didn't ever happen, man. <laughs> I got people telling me something about uh somebody uh some Moors or something. You know, he said this and now this they got some good conspiracy theory about Jesse Jackson getting uh, got Martin Luther King shot. He was on the step. Well, he wasn't on the steps. He mm. wasn't no. He he had he could, he told that lie. He had confessed to it. He was nowhere on the on the patio. Mm. He was on. Mama King was on there by himself. I'm just a, a, for instance. Mm. 
Abernathy was inside, man. The man was a trained sniper. All he had to do was wait. He had them shouted. They were in that 306 was the number room they was always in. They called it the Abernathy King with SCLC room. That's where, that's where he had all his meetings and everything. It wasn't no secret. Mm -hmm. Just wait for the right time when nobody's around, right? But now we got to we should kill Jesse Jackson. We should kill man, El, we should El Sharpton. Mm -hmm. Why? <laughs> He wanna he wanna be serious, you know. You got you got a, a fat guy up in there that's a horrible guy, you know, you know, fat guys go take care of him. Why you wanna kill him? What 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 would you accomplish by killing Jesse Jackson and Al Sharp? Mm. It doesn't make sense. Right. But but for some reason the militants the, the militants I, I listen to and hear now, I mean I get so angry sometimes just hearing them talk, man, and how mis uh misdirected they are. Right. Um and that's what, and that's the problem, right? If you misdirect, if you don't have the, the right information and you're sitting around, we got to do this, we got to think about this, we got to come up with this idea. Well, they take a minute, research it, and it's, you know, it's already there. Mm -hmm. It's been done. Mm -hmm. Your people did it, you know? Right. And, and, and don't waste your time, with, I ain't going to say the waste of time, but don't spend all your time talking about commit Egypt. Right. Yeah, and don't be talking about slavery because guess what? When you look at slavery, then then we didn't do nothing. Yeah, you could, you, you know, that's all you believe. People, I hear people tell me, "Oh, y'all didn't do nothing. Y'all didn't do this. Y'all left us this." And, and the slave, they just got beat up. Well, when my sons, oh, this was years ago. My sons, they were teenagers, and they saw Roots, the first Roots, right? Mm -hmm. They come, Daddy. Oh man, Daddy, the the slave. Oh, we like that. So wait a minute, they ain't the they ain't the whole truth. Right. Right. That's only part of the truth. Mm -hmm. He said, well, yeah, my, my people out here say, "Nigga, you crazy." Now that's part of the truth. Why? Mm -hmm. Because you know, we were here, right? In mm -hmm. the 1700s, how about the, the Georgia, Florida state line, the black people that fought the Spanish, the British, all the way up to, up to the 1800s, then fought all the way across Louisiana into Mexico, and it's still there in Mexico today. Mm -hmm. And they fought, they fought for the Mexicans to fight against America and everybody, French and everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. Still there today, the mm -hmm. black Indians in, in, in New Orleans, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Like, oh yeah, it's fun. Hey, they, they got history, right? They mm -hmm. got history, they ain't just, just like something they're doing. And they fought. And, and, and Andrew Jackson, you know, again, Google it up. Andrew Jackson went down there and tried to turn, when America was America, and tried to take him over, right? They kicked his butt, and then he got mad and just killed an innocent village. They had villages and towns, governments, mm -hmm. military, well-organized military with weapons, right? Mm -hmm. Not just hat, you know, blazing. We talk about Nat Turner, which was a, a great man. But he was just like, he was just like the most known, just like, Rosa like Parks. you know, most known, Rosa right? Parks, yeah, like. But it was thousands of uh, uh, uprisings. I mm. mean, hundreds a year, mm. you know, and big ones, bigger than that. But anyway, he fought, and then so he destroyed a whole village, right? Mm -hmm. But they fought all them years, man. Now they're trying to say, oh no, they were Seminole. They were some kind of Indian. They were Indian slaves. No, even before we was here before the Indians were. <laughs> the founding fight. If you really go, Plymouth Rock. He, he came and saw black people with afros, man. Mm -hmm. He said they were red-skinned because they had red clay on their faces just like some tribes over in Africa, right? right? Some of the crops here we, they, we, that came from Africa. Mm -hmm. um, they said the Olmecs had came here maybe 56,000 years ago. Those are a little pygmy-looking guys. Right. They, had, they had skills. They had math skills, right? They had astrology. They were able to navigate the gold astrology. They know how to build things, mm -hmm. right? Do, you know, those three things, math, astrology and building. They built pyramids down in Mexico about the same time we're building pyramids over in Egypt, mm -hmm. right? The same people, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we ain't gonna talk about 5,000 years, 6,000, let's talk about 56,000, 52,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. They they, they land in America. How do I know this? Look at the black Indians. They actually got, they actually found bodies, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, they found DNA. 
And they look at the DNA of certain Indian tribes, right? They got African DNA. They even made history to talk about they came, their people came from the South, South America, or they came from over the Atlantic Ocean. Mm -hmm. You know, look it up. Oh, they said that the uh, Mongolians came. Well, the Mongolians out, out here, too. They just had China. The guy found out he got black. They got black DNA in Chinese, right? But anyway, mm -hmm. they couldn't come over 50,000 years ago. Guess why? Because they had an ice. You know, the ice age? You get that little thing, the ice age? Mm -hmm. They couldn't come across that land bridge until 10,000 years ago. Right. So that's when we start. That's why we see the Indians we see now. Mm -hmm. They start coming from the east. And also, the Japanese used to used to uh, do trade in California, right? All down to Mexico. You check that out, too. Yeah. That's in their history. But, oh, I didn't hear that. I didn't know that, right? Mm -hmm. But it's there, mm -hmm. if you really want to know it, right? But, uh, you know, so this is this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a people, yeah, you want to hold back a person. You want to tell a person that he can't do anything. You you just, you know, we brought you over here. We did this for you, and then you, you got this from us. Yeah. And you believe that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you buying into that. How can you buy into that? Right. If they tell me that, look at you, man, you crazy, man. Mm -hmm. My daddy and mother, to the, to a couple of times they missed, to their chagrin, right? They missed fortune. They told I could be anything and do anything I want to. This is a 19, in the 1950s, right? When we were just, when people were getting killed trying to integrate a, a school, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the Little Rock, place like, I mean, kid, uh, colleges, uh, Georgia State. They were getting killed, man. Mm -hmm. Going to elementary school. They had little girls going to elementary school, man. They're going to kill them, man. They're going to try to kill their parents. Mm -hmm just to go to a school, right? Mm -hmm. And what are we doing now? What do you got to face like that? Tell me. Mm -hmm. Then what is stopping you? Country or pro, brother, country or pro. You don't know what country or pro is, man. You trying to identify, oh man, we got a black snitch, man, because country or pro. Why don't you study country or pro? Mm -hmm. What they did to Marcus Garvey, right? You right. understand? Yeah. Country or pro, and then what they did to, uh, if you really study about Mark Hampton, right, It's a and, and the Black Panther, but especially Mark Hampton, you know, uh, the Black Panther's car that was assassinated. He was really assassinated by the police. That was shot to hell. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, oh, Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was shot to hell by the police. But okay. anyway, he's the one that started the Rainbow Coalition too. Not Jesse Jackson. He started the Rainbow Coalition, oh, yeah. and he united gang. And he built. He brought all these different things to Chicago. Help uplift people in Chicago. But when you study these things, see what they had to deal with, and see what they did in spite of. Mm -hmm. See what uh, uh, Richard Allen did in spite of. You think it's bad now, I can imagine. It got better about the 1800s, 1830, it got worse, right? That that uh, 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 um, uh, Prince Hall, mm -hmm. he was in the American Revolution. They was a, the black people saved the day in Bunker Hill. Google it up. <laughs> saved the day in Bunker Hill, guess why? Because one of the black people that was there shot a British officer between the eyes was leading the charge, right? And it caused them to stop and retreat. Because they had to redress. They only did it with officers, right? The backup allowed them to escape. Mm -hmm. Who told Concord, Concord Master Bridge was coming? Who? A black man. Mm -hmm. Because, um, what's his name? Didn't make it. <laughs> All he was, uh, oh man, uh, you know, the one they claim, they talk about, you know, the, the, the midnight ride, Paul Revere. Okay, yeah. Hey, bam, no, it was a black man made. They don't even talk about him, man. Mm -hmm. The other other white guy, he didn't make it either. Uh, Paul Revere was stopped by a patrol and he had to get around and other thing. But the black guy went right through, mm -hmm. right in the night. Mm -hmm. um, the fight they had over in New York. Hey, one of the black, a black officer that led that charge and fought against the British in New York was a black man. I mean, you go on and on. Chicago, disabled, a black man. If it, Chicago would be Chicago, it wasn't for a black man with a trading post. Not he didn't. He wasn't no. Yeah, he wasn't. He never a slave though. Mm -hmm. But he 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 was a, a French Haitian. They had already freed Haiti, right? A French Haitian, mm -hmm. and he set up a trading post, married an Indian woman, set up a trading post up there, blah blah blah, mm -hmm. right? 
these are kind of people that we come from, man. They actually got a statue of him, but yeah, I don't yeah, think people yeah, really know, know that. that Chicago, yeah, 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 founded by a black man. And then Denver, Colorado, too. Yeah, yeah. There's a few places up in the Northwest. Because, yeah. like you were saying, yeah. America really, as it is today, is not that old. Yeah. Louisiana Purchase is 1804. Yeah. So you think about most of that wasn't even, that was still French territory. French territory. And then beyond that, it was yeah. nothing really Mexico. Yeah. If I mean, anything, it would have been Mexico-ish if you want to go that route with it. But it was really open land so mm. black people kind of founded a lot of that yeah. stuff in the western midwest i mean in the um, north northwest and all that a lot of them a lot of them left slavery and a lot of them was already there mm -hmm. in, in indians but a lot of left slavery and started going out west slaves just go south we talk about the underground yeah that's untrue but a lot of slaves went out west and then in places like texas it's so you know so there you know he was slave by name Mm. You know, you did a job, you came back, you got your food, whatever, you know, clothes, and whatever, and you went back out there. Yeah. Then you went to places like Denver, you know, mm -hmm. and became a, a, a robber. You know, you, you missed a Dillard. I'm in the Western Museum. Became an outlaw man. Yeah. Or you became a Long Ranger. He was a he was a slave, right? The, he was a slave, Long Ranger. He yeah. was actually a black man. Mm. You know, I was I, I just found out some of this stuff. I think but, I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The he one that Johnny Depp played him in a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a black man. He had dirt all on his face. Yeah. They could have just made him a black person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they always like. The, like uh, you know the Egypt stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Oh man, uh, you see Egypt see white men. You see talk about Moses see white people. Mm -hmm. How could they possibly be white? I mean, no come way. on. Mm -hmm. So if knowing this, that was you. If you knew that was your brother and sister, I mean, mm -hmm. it looked just like you. Or they, or that was you. That was your people. Mm -hmm. Then you got something to invest in this land, right? This is your land. You don't let somebody con you out of it, mm -hmm. right? They cutting you out of it. Yeah. Oh, this man, I ain't no man. I'm gonna go back to Africa. Yeah, that's cool. Because, you know, Africa's for Africa. Which, you know, we're part of that. Mm. That's part of our land. But also, this America, North America, South America, up to Canada, is our land, mm. right? Our land. Mm. We were here. They took it from, and they conned us not to know that and believe that, mm. right? Did somebody argue with me and tell the white man, this a white man, that. Why are you worried about the white man? Mm. You know, Marcus Garvey said, you got the same two eyes, the same mouth, the same nose, two ears, and two feet, and two hands. What is your problem? Right. He fought, you know, really, you know, get the devil his due, right? He fought and scratched his way and took what he had, right? Mm -hmm. And built what he had. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I don't think the Indians were, you know, were, were taken advantage of. We were taken advantage of, but we didn't give it to him. Right. He took it. Yeah. He took it. He lied. He passed laws, and they took some more, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And he built, and everything he took, he built on top of. It. If he, if he had us to build it from, or he had some black person that had the knowledge to build some, or the math or something like that, mm -hmm. whatever he did it, and that is his, right? right? You know, for yeah, for now. For now, yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's his, right? Mm -hmm. So, what is our problem? Why are we go? Why are we gonna waste our time talking about somebody else? Mm -hmm. Why are we gonna waste our time for that? Why am I gonna waste my breath or one single breath in my life talking about the white man? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's a dirty, you know, not not the not all white people. Because mm -hmm. I'm not racist, right? I was at one time because I had I actually seen that stuff that everybody talk about the right. white man killing and all. I see, you know not just a couple of man. This is nothing. I mean, it's 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 horrible, mm -hmm. and it's getting it's, and it's picking up speed. Maybe that might be the media. When I, that wasn't nothing, man. That mm -hmm. was an everyday dozens of people a day getting killed by cops, sheriff departments. I mean, it was just, or some black, some white people decided to get drunk, go out and kill a couple of niggas. Mm -hmm. That's the way it was. Mm -hmm. I, ain't, I ain't lying to you. That's right. the way it was, man. Right. And now, you know, but anyway, in spite of that, you know, I drove trucks when I was 19 and, and, and my early 20s all over the Southeast. 
even my dad, my daddy was was one crazy black man, right? Mm -hmm. He was a strong black man. He was one crazy black man. Mm -hmm. He didn't back down. I seen him looking white people in the eye. And this was in the fifties, man. And tell him, and he had white people to work for him. He was a, he's one of the first white black chefs in our life. He owned nightclubs. He used to he used to help get politicians get elected. Mm -hmm. And I know something back down when everybody had to get off sidewalk. My daddy walked down the sidewalk one time. Um, my brother was me and my brother worked with my dad in the restaurant. We was real young. And uh, my, my brother slipped down and went to the white folks' bathroom. Back then we had lockers. We had colored lockers, white lockers, and male and female, right? Mm -hmm. And so the white man brought my brought my brother up by the neighbor's neck, you know, holding up by his clothes, say, "Your son was in the white bathroom." My dad, my dad looked around. He had a butcher knife in his hand. We we was we had a, a lot of food. My dad was uh, cooking. He had a butcher knife. He turned around, seen that, and he he come out of there, man. The salad lady and all the dish what they come grabbing my dad, man. Mm -hmm. You know, cause they know my dad's gonna kill this man. And that. I cracked a look at him, he, he dropped my brother and ran. Mm. So then all the dishwashing and, and all the um, all the wages were black. So they came in, that's what happened. So we dad went downstairs, we started taking off our clothes, going home. And then the owner, my dad actually helped, this on House Street, the parliament on House Street, used to be on House Street. He helped my, he'd help that white man get that motel and everything, mm -hmm. right? And so anyway, he comes, what's wrong, Sleepy? He said, he told me that crocker grabbed my son, and brought my son. He said, okay, don't worry about it. Y'all get dressed and go back up there. Next day, they took down all the signs saying white and black. Mm -hmm. You understand? Yeah. That don't seem like that, but that was a big thing, mm -hmm. right? But not because, you know, because he wants to get, but at the same time saying that, when I was traveling around uh, down south, you know, going all by myself, you know, mm -hmm. in a truck, and we didn't have all the interstate stuff. Boy, you stop a truck, you know, they didn't want to serve a gas station, truck stop, stuff like that. I went up in there, man, and I crowd across, man, wearing my old cowboy hat stuff, my boot stuff. <laughs> I get sick talking. The white people started talking to me. So then they said, nigga. I said, well, <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> you know, because, not because I was assimilated to them, but because we had the same ideas and views and beliefs about individual success mm -hmm. and empowerment right right and that's a big word but it's just really just doing for yourself that's right. all it is means plain language right mm -hmm. and but my dad thought i was crazy man because then you know the hippies were hitchhiking then you know the white girls coming from from england there well so i pick up a girl you know it's understood you're gonna mm -hmm. ball you know yeah. over here in Atlanta, you know i'm, I'm you know you know i ain't doing it i ain't doing it just because i just had to do it right you know it was there you know and they were pushing you so hey why not right mm -hmm. and uh anyway i guess you crazy you say, you were crazy. You ride around down in Texas and Mississippi right. and Alabama, out in Arizona with white girls. I don't, I, I didn't think nothing about it. I said, y'all told me I could do a thing of He <laughs> said, but you got to think, sir. And at the same time, they, they um, another black young truck driver, I remember I remember this because it kind of, it hurt me deep. I actually met the guy. He I was a black truck driver. He got, he was in Pascagoula, Mississippi, about 1971. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had a white girl, right? So the uh, sheriff and uh and the police, you know, back then it was against the law in the South. Uh, you know, you see the story about the story they came up with. Um, what's the girl that the, the loving story? That oh, was yeah. true. And, but Georgia didn't change that to the seventy. Miscegenation. Miscegenation. It was yeah. against the law to marry a black and whites to marry, mm -hmm. right? Um, but anyway, so but nineteen seventy seven went to with a white girl, it was his girlfriend or something like that. They told him he had to jump off a bridge or they gonna hang him. So he jumped a bridge and killed himself. What? And it was years later before they actually convicted him about that but it was a slap on the wrist, right? Mm -hmm. They caught the people that bombed the church. You know, I don't know why. You know, I never did get the point where that where that girl that was with the bushes, what's her name? Um Condoleezza Rice. Mm -hmm. She was one friends with one of the girls. They bombed the Birmingham church. I don't get it why she's so all, you know, white and everything. You really? know, well, yeah, yeah. Wow. You can check it out, man. She was one of the girlfriends, man. And they were burnt and when they and uh one reason they, um Martin King moved to Atlanta and uh, over two vast city on Sunset Street. His house is still there. They're going to turn to a museum pretty soon. 
Um, when they moved it because of the affluent neighborhood and it was safe, it was right in the middle of a black neighborhood, right? Mm -hmm. and, and his church was getting bombed. I mean, his church is home, you know, burning, you know, home. Even when I was young, my days taking around, seeing they burning crosses in Abernathy's yard and all the yards, right? Mm -hmm. But over down in Alabama, boy, you know, they was getting, they was getting the hell black. Jefferson County Sheriff Department, I was in Birmingham, I went on. Uh, down there, uh, Bull Connor and all them, and, and, and Governor Max, you know, mm -hmm. they were crazy, man. These, you see a man on TV, uh, and like Lester Max, I'm going to say, I'm a segregationist now, I'll be a segregationist forever. You know, mm -hmm. that means not for you, nigga, nothing, yeah. white folk, everything. Yeah. That's what he meant. Mm -hmm. It was okay then. Yeah. You know, you know, you know, and I laugh sometimes, but I, I'm, I'm down for it when, when uh, the president say a couple of stupid things, right? Mm -hmm. I'm just laughing. Everybody says, "Oh, he said this, he said that." You know, got white and black saying it, but back then, man, they said it was like nothing. Well, and I had, um, I knew some, some, some white people that you know call themselves my friend, a friend I worked with some guy, and uh, you know, we friends and date, you know, night well, we hanging out, but then daytime, no, you know why? Because that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. I didn't find no offense to it, mm -hmm. really, because that's the way it was. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It just determined what you wanted to do beyond that, right? If it was an issue, if it was something that you had to do and wanted to do it, mm -hmm. and you was ready to die for it, then you did it. Right. It's plain and simple, right? Mm -hmm. But if it was something that you could let go for a minute and then, you know, find a way to, you know, late at night, come back, do something. I remember like at, at, at uh, Fox Theater on Pitcher Street, we couldn't sit on the floor. We had to sit up in the balconies, right? Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, that was hard, you know, you know, you don't care who you are. You might have more money, some kid down there, your family's better off. It not mean nothing. You black and stuff that. So guess what? Mm -hmm. We kids, man, we did what kids do. We throw popcorn, drinks, you know, <laughs> piss away. You know, then you got where the you places you could sit down and you didn't want to sit down there because you know who's going to throw yeah. stuff on you. Mm -hmm. So, you know, then, oh, man, I could tell you stories about restaurants. Oh, my God, we used to do something folk when they got nasty with you. Mm -hmm. But we wasn't scared, right, number one. We didn't sit down. We didn't accept everything as they was. We did what we had to do to survive. Mm -hmm. Your mother, and one thing that your mother and grandma told you, don't mess with them white folk. Leave them white folk alone. They weren't telling you that because they were scared. Well, maybe they were, some of them. But they were telling you because that's a sense, right? Mm -hmm. Like, don't put your hand in that flame because you're, you're, you're going to burn your hand, mm -hmm. right? That's, that's what they were telling you. Right. You know, it's out now. It's, oh, man. Oh, y'all, if I was back there, I'd do this. You wouldn't do nothing. you do the same <laughs> thing. Anybody, you would survive. Yeah. you probably do less than some of us did. Mm -hmm. you probably be like this here. Mm -hmm. You know, like them guys come in prison, them big burly guys come in prison. <laughs> uh, then he get in there, finally got to fight for his life. Okay, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. And you going to do what you do to survive. You're doing the same thing here. Mm -hmm. You see the police, you're going to duck and dodge. Oh, I'm scared. You know, hey, right. man. Hell, we knew we knew the police going to do something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, we grabbed it. You know, put both hands steering wheel like that, right up. He say something to you, right? You know, and uh, and Martin King's father, he told a cop one time, cop calling him, boy, he's called everybody, boy. He said, uh, you know, he pointed at Martin King Jr. He said, that's uh, a boy, mm -hmm. right? I'm a man. Until you talk to me such, I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> Whew, this is back in the, in the, in the, in the 30s? Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. Know, I don't think, I did some crazy stuff in my life, and, and everybody thought I was crazy, right? You know, because I had no feel. But I think I would have thought about that twice. <laughs> in the 30s, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I thought about that two or three times. Especially in the 30s. And you said they, they were in Georgia, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah Georgia. So, yeah. yeah, they were uh, here in Atlanta. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So by that time, his family had already moved to Atlanta. Oh no, um, Martin King was born. Uh, Michael King Jr. was yeah. born in Atlanta. Oh, okay. So his family was already here now. Yeah, yeah, it's already here. Okay. And that's a story in itself. Um, you know, I mean, we talked about. It. I don't know if you want me to go through it. The whole to really give you a dynamics of who Martin King was. Mm 
Yeah. Um. Well, we don't need to get too much in the MLK. You know, that's a. Uh, we we know a lot about Martin Luther King, mm -hmm. but could you tell us about his his um. Deacons of Defense, though, that he had. Oh, a lot yeah, of people yeah. don't know Deacons about the Deacons of Defense. Yeah, yeah. Well, Martin Luther King wasn't um, nonviolent uh, as, you know, he was for self-defense. He said, you you know, after he think he made a statement back then in the 50s, he said, I ain't stupid. You know, mm -hmm. he carried a gun. Mm -hmm. But anyway, there was this group in Louisiana um, um, called, uh, starting in Louisiana called the Deacons for Defense. They were the most militant group in the 60, 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. These boys were crazy. I mean, I mean they weren't crazy. They were they had no problem. You shoot the cop shooting me, I'm gonna shoot back. You know, <laughs> shotgun, everything, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it tactically too, mm -hmm. with no with no qualms, no problem about getting killed or going to jail. I mean, that's what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I told some kids that uh, some some black towns that I said, "What you here for? Well, we might get to jail." I said, "Yeah, and we might get shot, and mm -hmm. you know, we that's what we did in the '60s that we did. We stood up, but anyway." Um, they had a race riot somewhere in Louisiana. I forgot to be crazy. You can check them out, Deacons for the Fan. Anyway, so they it came together. These are World War II, some of them special forces, some of them Korean War, and they were well they were well trained. They were they were you know, well armed, and they fought back. Mm -hmm. So Martin Luther King um, used them uh, when Martin Luther King put down his gun. I think it was about 1959, Somebody brought to the thing that uh, I guess after maybe he went to uh, India and um, you know and found uh, embraced the, the total nonviolent program. Anyway, um, so he used them as defense. They were there defending him. They were going around and scored him. And a couple of times, they, um, uh, you know, and they, and they blame Martin King for that. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of cops blame him for that. They said they they creating trouble. They ain't nonviolent. You know, they got guns stuff. And then that was that. That was he brought up in Birmingham and Alabama a couple of times. Mm -hmm. You know, of course, they, they had to let, you know, they couldn't stop him from going to jail. But, you know, um, you know, it's amazing that if you think about it, how he wasn't shot in the streets. You know, I mean, just literally shot us because that wasn't no big thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't until 63 before he started really getting on the news where, you know, after the Birmingham thing, when he had all the elementary school kids and them young kids go out there and get bit by dogs and everything, got on TV, mm -hmm. become a national, international thing. Up until then, he was nobody, man. He was, you know, he had one of the Nobel people, right? Still was a nigga. He wasn't nobody. Mm -hmm. You know, he, you know, the white people believe that, uh, that if you're a white man, you better than any than any nigga is. You know, better than any nigga. Mm -hmm. You're a white man, right? right. So you are nothing. You know, so uh, so that was amazing. So those few things that would give you opinion that that why that he did have a force around him that would protect him. Mm -hmm. You know, that would would go to the death. Would fight to the death. You mm -hmm. know, and um, you can look them up. They one, and I think they disbanded somewhere around the seventies. Right. But they were very militant. And nobody knows about it. Public of New Africa. I heard somebody mention that. We, we were, uh, they were very melted. Okay. All right. I think we got. I think we got a pretty good understanding of how mm -hmm. deep your knowledge goes right now. Well, let, let's mm -hmm. talk about uh, some of the, some of the fun you had back in the day. Oh, so, so, fun, man. Well, what, oh, well man. first, who was who was the hot music? Who was the hot musician back there? Oh God. Uh, Chubby Checker, uh -huh. Fats Domino. I got my 13th birthday. I got an album by uh, uh, Fats Domino. He was cool, man. He was the guy that used to play the piano. I found my tree here on Blueberry Hill. <laughs> and then uh, Chubby Checker, he did the twist, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that was, you know, now I don't say that, but it was amazing. Even Kennedy and uh, Kennedy and his wife, they were doing the twist in the White House. That was pretty, <laughs> they, were, everybody was, they was bad enough. He was a Catholic. They, mm -hmm. even, they were doing the twist in the White House. So, right. um, Sam Cooke, of course. Um, the Isleys, uh, mm -hmm. the Isleys in the 50s, uh, um, of course, a homegirl, um, um, Gladys Knight, mm -hmm. Otis Redding. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, God, he was, 
the barcades, you know, some of them died in that plane crash over Red. And everybody knows them. A lot of groups were around in the 50s. Uh, of course, the, oh, the Temptations, mm -hmm. uh, the Supremes, the Delphonics. I dated a girl that, uh, Little Eva, she was locomotion. Mm -hmm. yeah, locomotion. I dated her for a minute. Mm -hmm. She was a little older than I was, but I dated her, man. Uh, little Eva. Uh, there were so many groups. And uh, the uh, for a teenager of my age and younger young person, we mostly did it at school. They would have all these school dances. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and of course, Blue Light House Party. Uh, my mother used to have chicken parties and fish fries. Mm -hmm. You know, they had some moonshine and some fish stuff. We go out there and dance, slip and you know, get a little sip of that shine or some of that good liquor, you know. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, listen to the music and dance. And then we had up in, and also up in Mosley Park, they had a big dance hall where you learn how to do the frug, the hully gully, <laughs> the swim, you mm -hmm. know, the fish, the jerk, the cool jerk, you know, Mickey's monkey and monkey and all that kind of stuff, right? Those are dance. And uh, and then when I started coming up a little bit, my dad, this is a pit, but this is way in the seventies. This is my picture of me and my sister in one of my dad's clubs. Okay. My dad night club. We used to have live entertainment. Otis Reddy actually sung there. Oh yeah. I was reading. Uh, excuse me. What's his name? Reverend Al Green. Okay. He sung there and, and stole the money from the band and left town. <laughs> That's when he made his big hit. But anyway, um, he can't see the whole club. That's just something, you know. I just have to see that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, uh, it was so many nightclubs around. Okay, you had all these black nightclubs. You had the, uh, um, of course, you had the American Legion on um, on um, Auburn Avenue. You had the uh, Peacock. I had another club on, another club on there. And you had the American Legion on Atlanta. You had the uh, my dad's club, Sleepy House, uh, Sleepy Mirror Lounge. You had the Six Seventeen on Simpson. And honey, you had and then we used to go to the drive-in and hang out, listen to disco dance. You had the the Blue Flame when it was just a nightclub. You had the uh, the Silver Fox, the Palladium. God, uh, you know, it was it was hundreds of clubs on Simpson and Auburn Avenue and Hunter Street. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, so we're playing the Lincoln Club out there, the cemetery. You guys go to the cemetery down here, off, way off of Simpson, right? Lincoln Cemetery. This would be a a club back in the back of the cemetery. It's only one way into it through the cemetery club. Mm -hmm. That was balling. And um, and then in the um, late '60s, when, when we start, when the white people start trying to be with us, uh, there was a club, a club on Spring Street called the San Susis. That was really the only white black club there was. Mm -hmm. And then down, um, they they had reopened up. They had refurbished and opened up underground. Then they had the Mine Shaft. A couple of black clubs down there was popping back then. That's by the time we started doing. Um, a disco, but before then, um, it was Johnny Taylor, man. I mean, I, my wife said I must have been born way before my time because I like I like music. My daddy, mother used to listen to Nancy Wilson, and back then, kids used to listen to the same uh, music they did. WOK was the big station then, mm -hmm. and WERD, but WOK was the man. I mean, you know, in the daytime they play R and B, and uh, and I remember yeah, one time they played a country western. I knew it was a black man. It was Charlie Pry. I could sing a song for Batum, really one mm -hmm. of his songs, his songs then. And uh, just, you know, we had so much, we, uh, you know, Bessie Smith and all that. You just hear so much music. Then, yeah, but my dad had a nightclub when I was a baby at club. You know, I, just, I was around so many entertainers. And my sister's a performer. She was real popular back in the, in the late, early 70s. And, um, but anyway, so we was always around musicians. My, we had live entertainment. Some of the big names are, um, that, that went out, uh, some Atlanta big names came out, and they, some of them in Japan now, different places. Mm -hmm. uh, actually came to my dad's nightclub and and then you had the Magnolia Ballroom over there at Magnolia and Sunset that was a big ballroom but it had I mean Jane Brown I seen Jane Brown live up to the city uh, the Atlanta Civic Center he used to play down the old Cracker Stadium Atlanta Cracker mm -hmm. baseball team stadium 
and the Black Lives Crisis was played there sometime. Mm -hmm. um, over there on Ponce Leon, and uh, you just had so it was just so rich with music. And one time I seen Jimmy Hendrix and, and um, uh, uh, my dad and his and his cousin, uh, but he, that was a cunning man. They had a uh, they they had a big they got a, a slight lady to give him a big spot in the Chattahoochee River. So they had BB uh, King and uh, Jimi Hendrix and I can't think of his white boy name playing blues out there, man. Whew. It was tough, man. I I got so high, man. The <laughs> thing I know, it was it was it was 1971. They have 1970, 1971, <laughs> right? You know. Yeah. But uh, but you know, it, uh, but the blue light house parties and during our teenage year in the school party was the big thing. Mm -hmm. Everybody had a party house just about every weekend. And if you was a cool kid, you got to the cool parties. And then they had they had teen clubs on Simpson. We tore it up and it became American Legion skating rink one time mm -hmm. on uh, Springfield Mason turned and became a. They always had killers there. Um, then we had uh, some up on Simpson, a team club. They didn't last too long, but you know, but I never had no problems with uh, ID. Mm -hmm. You know, you had money, you come in there, behave yourself. You know, they let y'all in Doss Lounge or uh, uh, one place I used to love. I used to love too. But that's a Carousel Lounge. That was Pascal Brothers. Mm -hmm. They had some of the best jazz music. I don't know, and everybody thought it was crazy because six of me and a couple other guys, all we love jazz. It's all we used to listen to. Mm -hmm. uh, Cannonball Adley, uh, you know, all the names. And they, they used to play down there at uh, the Carousel Lounge. And, and uh, this lady, Miss Sherman, uh, she was just one of uh, one of the top principal ladies. And she knew me, so she wouldn't let me in. So when I worked there at Pascal Brothers, a busboy in the early 60s, you know, I, I, you know, I heard some music, Cannibalist, somebody like that, be over there, I slip in, you mm -hmm. know, and all like that. Uh, Hugh Massa Kayla or uh, somebody like slip in over there, that bus boy. Mm -hmm. And she had to go pulling me out, yo, dad, I'm going to tell your dad I'm going to pull you out of here. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was just, um, it was a beautiful time music land. They had a, 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 a recording, a Hunter, um, I think Hunter Studios. He actually did a lot, he did a lot of recording land, a lot of big names took him up, a lot of big recording companies. But to be anybody, if you was in the music industry, you had to come to Atlanta. I just, I, that was the end of the story. Mm -hmm. You was either at the uh, Magnolia Ballroom, the Peacock, another club on Harvard, I can't think, God bless me, I can't think of it. And there was a club on um, Northside Drive, I can't remember the name of that. But you had to come through there, mm -hmm. you know. And so, then when my dad opened this club, you know, this last club he had, Mirror Lounge, right? Oh man, I mean, you know, you got to meet everybody. It was nothing, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, like now, everybody's like, oh, this man, you know, it's just like, hey man, it was right there, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, um, a lot of music you didn't hear other places, like a lot of music in New York. It might come down to Atlanta a decade later or something. Really? Like, yeah, a lot. But you know, some of the big players you always heard them in, in music. And California, same way, they get some of our music later, get some of that music later. But you had to come to Atlanta, so you know, I mean, the party was on. And um, oh man, uh, Johnny Taylor. I actually saw him live one time. Mm -hmm. um, I saw. I seen. Uh, I had a girlfriend. I went to see uh, uh, James Brown. And uh, man, he was boy. He was performing. You know, had a little girl. First time I actually took a girl out to a concert, right? Mm -hmm. And she up there, and we got the little, the little, you know, little pamphlet they get, you know, the thing we tell you about Jane Brown. Mm -hmm. He started doing, please, please. Oh, she started crying. Said, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> he lost his girl. They went down so quick. But look, I brought you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I got mad because, you know, I mean, he's cool. You know. Yeah. And uh, he'd been around Atlanta a little bit, you know, you could run into him or something like that. And a lot of times you're just born places and being places, right? Mm -hmm. uh, like my dad, working with my dad in restaurants or uh, stuff like that, being over Pasco Brothers when I was young. You ran, man, you met everybody. Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy. Oh, my God. I just being, you know, and I worked for SLC when I was young, too, in my, in my late teens. 
you know, I met Abernathy, and this guy that does a history tour, Kanak, he does a good civil rights history tour, who not? He was Martin Luther King's um, chauffeur, white guy, big fat white guy. But if you really want a black history tour, it's a group I work with, and that's called um, Atlanta Black History Tours. Mm -hmm. um, because I, did, I do history tours, I give you the flavor, because I was born in that area. I, I met people accidentally, knew people, mm -hmm. or in discovery, or was involved in things that I didn't know what I was involved in until now I look back and look at history. I said, oh man, I was there. Mm -hmm. you know, I was in the march of, for instance, on uh, Martin Luther King's uh, funeral. Uh, my people, um, when the Ebenezer Baptist, that was kind of like a, 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 a fad scene, you know. My mother was real light-skinned, pastor white, so we had to go to Ebenezer Baptist Church, or mm -hmm. on the street church, or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and my dad had a restaurant one time. I met Maynard Jackson. He was running for office, you know, um, when he with nobody. Um, I mean, what's that? I can't run those boxes, man. He used to run down the street over there around Cascade and everywhere like that. And, and then he got that big house out there in the west side. Uh, um, Malcolm, I mean, uh, uh, my dad knew Malcolm X. He met him when he came to Atlanta. He said, that's, that's the only black man of scale. hell out of him with Malcolm X. But, <laughs> um, Elijah Palmer used to come in. He had a big mosque over there on Bankhead Highway. Mm -hmm. Um, you just, I mean, when hippies came to town, we used to have all them free concerts out there in Piedmont Park. That's the only time we could really go out to Piedmont Park. I mean, really just, you know, in the nighttime, daytime, we could go, you know, back in the day. Mm -hmm. And then, like, we had a big um, fairground over here off of Lakewood called the Lakewood Fairground. I used to watch Joey Chick. We had a color, color nights. I used to watch Joey Chickwood. He had a big had a racetrack right here. He used to do stunts and stuff. And the mm -hmm. circus was in town. It was a fair. They had all the animals and stuff. So we had a nice day. We had the color nights. And then about late in the 60s or 70s, it was just, you know, it was okay then. You went every day. But they always had the, the big Georgia Fed. That was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. um, we used to race cars, too. We used to race cars um, uh, down towards, uh, down below East Point. Some guy got killed. That was a big thing. Was we used to race cars down Simpson Street. Uh, that, was a, that was fun, too, man. You know, going there and race car. Now they do it over here. On, they, they be crazy now. They be having all them big accidents over there on um, Moreland. Mm -hmm. But we used to race cars. on, And then I forgot where else. Yeah, well, we used to race them car. Man, that's a big thing. And then, you know, car. That was a big thing, man. Not just any car. You had to have it, you know, fixed up, man. And then you take a 57, my first car, uh, I blew the engine on. It was a 57 uh, Pony. I had that 320, I think 427, first time they had. It was experimental in 427. And, man, me and the boy. And, they, and the schools. You know, every school had a, had a uh, they used to teach people about how to do things. So, you know, and then a car, we couldn't even drive a car. Unless you know how to take care of your carburetor. Because mm -hmm. we have always had problems with carburetors. So my dad didn't let my muscles out. You had to change tires, you do, you know. Up until maybe about 2001, 2002, if something wrong with the car, and I didn't, if I just had time, didn't want to spend no money, I'd go do it myself. Brakes, whatever, you know, engine, you know, whatever, you know, whatever. Hell, <laughs> why not? You mm -hmm. know what I mean? You know, if you had, you had time, you, you didn't want to, you want to spend nothing, you do it yourself, right? Yeah. You know, but uh, that's that's where uh, we were raised, right? We was always raised to be very independent. And my kids kind of, I get along with my kids sometimes, sometimes I don't. They grown now. They, they, you know, they got one of my kids got. I got great grandkids now, mm. but you know, some of these get mad. But I always raise them to be independent. Even my daughter, she says, "Oh, they trying to make a boy." I'm saying, "Trying to make a boy. I'm trying to be independent, self-reliant." Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You know, like back then, you know, we we learned how to cook, we learned how to cl clothe, we learned how to sew. I did my sister's hair. You know, oh, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. You know, and when my mother died, a lot of people know she was dead because you know why. Because she had us well trained. We went to school. We was clean. Mm -hmm. Our clothes were clean, pressed, ironed, starched. Mm -hmm. Our hair was fixed. You know, my daughter's hair was fixed. Everybody went to school looking good, right? You know, then they found that my mother was dead. He's like, wow, mm -hmm. we're taking care of y'all. Me and my daddy, um, 
Everybody wanted to take us. I was from Chicago and everybody wanted to take us. He said, no, I'll keep my kids. Mm -hmm. And he could because he worked. He'd come home, right? He'd go back to work. He'd bring it, you know, go out with his girlfriend, hang out, come back home with his girlfriend. Go to I got mad about that, matter of <laughs> fact. But anyway, that's all he had to do. Mm -hmm. Bring money home. Make right. sure, look, you know, y'all okay? It ain't happening. I take him to, I, I take him to grades, go to emergency room or something. I could drive by the time I was 10. You know, all, he used to take everybody in my family how to drive when they was 10 years old. Yeah. You could drive a car by yourself. I take my mother back before the work. So, you know, that's what I'm saying. That's the way we were raised. We were raised like country kids. Mm -hmm. My mother was, you know, bell jar, used to put preserves in and make all preserves, stuff like that. You know, she was a city girl. Mm -hmm. So, that's the way we were raised. So, that kind of independence, and you know, you know, just why we always traveled and went anywhere. And, and when we was young, we used to go back for Chicago. We used to catch the train and Nancy Hanks out of the uh, terminus. They integrated that back in 1960, 61. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, you got in the color car, you went to Indiana, got, you went up to the, my mother to get gathers up when we got past the, uh, the guy saying Terre Haute, Indiana, the conductor, then we go up past him. You know, all on the black anyway on the train. Mm -hmm. and, and the dining cars back then on the train says, oh my God, China, sit real silverware, you know, not mm -hmm. tableware, silverware, you know. Right place with gold rim. I mean, it was, it was just crystal glass. It was just like, wow, you know, mm -hmm. like a, a super expensive five-star restaurant today. That's mm -hmm. where a train look, and, and you know. But anyway, um, but that was life, you know. We, we went to Chicago, I got a chance to, every one of them, I got to see Real Snow, went to Chicago on Christmas, and got to see my people at that time were living real well. Um, you know, out of that area now, it's crack days, it's all done, tore up and everything. All my people dead up there now, mm -hmm. except some of my great-great nieces and, um, and nephews, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, and and my family, uh, a lot of people in my family did pretty good. A lot of us were pretty, you know, were broken up and pretty poor. Um, uh, Norwood was my daddy's cousin. He was a big construction. He built he built brick and built a lot of houses on Bank, uh, built apartments on Bankhead, Gordon Road, and uh, out there in Collier Ridge. They built a lot of houses out there. Um, um, and it's just like you know, um, you just people that were doing things gravitate gravitated around people because you just brought people in and were doing things. You brought people around you. Mm -hmm. And the people, um, that's the way it was, you know. And if you was in college camp, you was the academic, you know, you had academic people around you, you know. Um, we used to have cotillion balls, which is unheard, but now uh, sweet 16 parties. Mm -hmm. I guess now they call it sweet 15 parties, sweet 16 parties. And a cotillion ball was, you know, um, a light-skinned girl was usually, well, was escorted. Back in the day, she was brought out to society, right, you know, mm -hmm. the higher upper-class light-skinned society or to marry somebody white, you know, mm -hmm. brought into society, so to speak. And then you had a sweet 16 party, uh, you know, girls at came of age. So back then, you know, it wasn't until a girl 16 get married, you know, have children. You know, I think my mother was married when she was about 16. I think she, she was 16 in this picture here at the nightclub 1946. Oh, wow. Yeah. You know, so it wasn't enough for, uh, they used to hate my damn, they had old Buick head. He had, he, had, uh, he had a green Buick, brand new Buick, he had it in gold leather, sleepy money, green written on the side of it. My dad was cold blooded husband. <laughs> you know, he, mm -hmm. he played the trumpet and he had a group called Sleeping Fire Lagoon. But, uh, but anyway, um, they learned to love him, though. But uh, anyway, you know, it was just like, it was just like, but that was, you know, that's what a woman did. When you came 16, you was brought to, you was given out to society, you got married, unless you'd already tracked yourself to go to college or, you know, come up, you know, but. That was the marrying age then, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, there was little, you know, there was little for black men to do unless you were somehow um, involved in some industry or you, you know, they had Ford plant was here. They started hiring blacks at Ford plant long about the 60s and they had the Chevrolet plant over there around the, the Atlanta, um, Atlanta Federal Pen. My days big over there, started hiring black men over there. So, you know, I mean, if you wanted to do something and um, you had a skill, 
you can get a job. You mm -hmm. know, um, everybody not paying much of white man. You know, I mean, a white boy made, but uh, they sometimes they. Actually, a lot of white people preferred black people to work for them back then. You know, uh, because they know they believe that you're gonna work you more honest than than the average white man. Because why the white man had this kind of job? <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Right. A job, nigga, job. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I was, I went there, it was just a funny thing. I was surprised when I see a white man driving a golf truck when I'm in Chicago, New York, I'm in New York City. Mm -hmm. I said, damn, white people drive trucks. <laughs> Dark honest trucks. I said, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> I mean, white people uh, go driving and, and throwing garbage. I was surprised. I was shocked. Because mm. a white man down here wouldn't do it. He'd better start to death and do something like that, right? Mm. But so, if you were willing to work and you, and, you, and, uh, and, and it don't make a different job here. My dad say, you know, you all try to get the best job. You try to, you know, and always try to prove yourself. You know, try to be the best you can be. Mm -hmm. If you do a, be a ditch digger, be the best ditch digger ever dug a ditch. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And improve upon the digging a ditch. Mm -hmm. And then you will, you know, uplift yourself. That's the way we were raised. That's the way that I, 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 I you know, against. I like to see black people do. I like to see our people right now because you got a hell of a time in the world, you know, to, mm -hmm. uh, to, to bring us up. Right. To uplift us, you know. Being the best. Whatever you do, be the best of it. And never look down at a job. There's no such thing as a bad job. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because if you work at one job, you know, because a lot of times, all my life, through my dad learning, I've had good jobs. I have mostly have your own business. I mostly have my own business. Most of my life been self-employed. But when I did work, I work at a job and I try to find a better job. Or if I had a job, one time I had a job, I didn't, uh, um, um, was, uh, went and bought me some trucks. Because once I got the business down, I went and bought my own truck. My daddy bought me a truck one time. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's my college education. You know, right. he bought me on tractor trailer. So, this is what you do. You know, you move up. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. Ain't no such thing a bad job. I mean, what you do? You know, if you dig a ditch, guess what, man? You know what? You know why I'm digging a ditch? Why I learn how to operate a damn uh, a cat or mm -hmm. one of them uh, one of them buckets? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Why I do that? Yeah. A good paying job, twenty five dollars an hour, twenty dollars an hour. Oh. I'm a carpenter. Well, when I learned how to be a good carpenter, well, I'm going to throw steel in here with it, too. Just like uh, um, um, Mr. Uh, over there on, uh, oh, man, the, the, the one of the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest black uh, minority-owned construction real estate company. I mean, minority, that's everybody, you know, mm -hmm. in, the world, uh, in the country. His name was, uh, God, I can't remember his name right now. But anyway, he started Sheet Rock. His daddy had a Sheet Rock company. He said, you, he went... He bought property. Guys got got a, got a, a got, able to pay for his way at Tuskegee to take up some construction. Came back had a uh, another rock shop. And then the next thing you know, you know he's doing construction. He getting he doing building. He uh, helped build the uh, the, old, the the stadium over there, mm -hmm. um, the, the old Bray Stadium. Helped build the dome. Helped build Phillips Arena. Mm -hmm. um, his name come to me right. He coming to uh, Russell. Okay. Russell. Okay. Right. Started nothing. His daddy was a slave. That's all he did. Mm. Sheet rock. He took sheet rock in. He took it to another level. Mm -hmm. He wasn't ashamed of it. He went. To, he went to college to get to be a better sheet rock. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's the way we need to think. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I don't never look down at nothing, right? If I ain't got nothing, if there's a way, and my wife be testifying, a lot of people testify to me. If there's a way, I can make a dollar, man. I did when I got sick and I couldn't work and stuff like that. I couldn't. They went find a job. You know, let me work. Man, I. I uh, my daughter was doing uh, storage office. I used to doing it, and I said, well, she said, Daddy, yeah, yeah. I said, okay, then it's got to be where you got to get rid of the stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So I went to flea markets. Right. I learned how to organize the stuff. I hired people. I had 10 people work for it. That's, that's the one thing about having a business. Mm -hmm. Because once you hire people, if you really have a business, then they are your family. Right. They depend on you. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, my child birthday, and I got to do Well, you know, well, hey, okay. 
you know, I need to do a little more. Okay, come on, let you do this for me. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, I got to pay my rent. Okay. You know, mm -hmm. you be fine. I ain't gonna give you nothing. Or you, gonna, you know, make sure that you, you know, work it off some kind of way, right? Right. But then I got a family. And guess what? Then their kids are being taken care of, right? Mm -hmm. They're a little less and they get a little well fed because I'm on the table and everything, whatever they need to do, but they're doing good. Mm -hmm. and that's, but, you know, one thing I don't do, I don't, one thing I never had, and I, I'm not seeing some hard times. I've been hungry, but I've never been on welfare. You know, and, and ain't nothing wrong with being on welfare now if you need it. Mm -hmm. But I will not get on welfare if I know I don't need it, right? Mm -hmm. I think I think that's kind of like, to me, that's one of the more things. It's kind of like a, a, you're cursing yourself. Okay. Uh, but if you have that attitude, always, you know, it's always something that I can do. And then when I get hungry, when I get really, really poor, right? When I got this house, man, I got a divorce, man. My wife, she, she was a, uh, she was my, uh, more, the wife I'm married to now, she's my wife. And my wife had divorced me, man. Um, the job I had, I wasn't making no money because I, I left my, um, left being a, a contractor, you know, making my own money, right? And I went to work so I could be home in Atlanta all the time, right? Mm -hmm. And because my, my daughter was getting older. So then that went south. You know, I've been on the road all them years and doing everything. So that went south. So anyway, God, if I was broke, I had this job, it wasn't paying nothing, man. Mm -hmm. And uh, then she went out and bought a new car, and I couldn't pay the note on the car, with the new car we had. We had a brand new LC. She went and bought another car on. And uh, I totally couldn't do that anyway. So. We got divorced and everything, and I didn't have nothing, man. She started talking about child support and stuff like that. They were hard on Negro in charge, man. Mm -hmm. so, so I had to give up the house. You know, the, the, the state awarded me the house, but she wouldn't sign off on it. So I just got mad. I gave it up. I had one of my sister's kids when she was over in Spain, and you know, yada, yada. So I, I went to get them. I could wake up in the TV. I could hear a helicopter. I wake up in the morning, the helicopter's over. I look at TV. Guess mm -hmm. what? Yeah. I see my apartment, my car right down there where the, where the, where the fire going over. Somebody's shooting out. So. Mm -hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and some of my girlfriends wouldn't come over there because they, you know, they see what kind of state I was in, right? It was, it was, it was dangerous. So, mm -hmm. but anyway, I got to thinking, and I heard about this house flipping thing. I was, I tried to, my brother started, one of my brother, one of my, uh, my brother started doing this. So I started trying to find out how you do this. What's up? Mm -hmm. When they, when they, when they rip off real estate classes, you know, oh, you can do somebody's money. But I just tried to find the information that they had to, to follow up that information, do my own research. Mm -hmm. Bam! Yeah. It's just that easy, mm -hmm. right? I got no money, so what? So then uh, when I got involved, I met my wife now, and um, and then she was mortgage, so she helped me put my, she told me how to show me how to put my credit together. These people charging you money to get your credit, but you don't need to charge them. I mean, go down control your credit report. Mm -hmm. Contest, contest, contest. It's long enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then back then, I, could, I filed Chapter 7 back then. I could do it. And I had $50,000 take my previous business, wiped out. Mm -hmm. Bam, I was brand new. Credit mm -hmm. went up automatically. Yeah. Right? I started, my, as my job picked up, so... By the time I, I started making a lot more money, right, it was already it's okay, you know. Mm -hmm. I was already, I couldn't, they couldn't raise up my child support. Mm -hmm. And by the time I started making my child, my, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, my child turned 18, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't have to do that no more. But I brought over here for what I had kept paying the medical and stuff. But anyway, I'm, I'm you know, all of a sudden I'm about now. I'm no man. I'm over looking at houses, a couple houses, and I come over here and see this house. I'm gonna get this one. But uh, uh you know, I, I had to show something, you know, that you know, I'm telling people about. Getting houses right, and I got to show. I got to have a house to show them. Mm -hmm. So when the market went crazy and everything, guess what? I wound up over here. So you know, it ain't bad. It ain't right. a bad shot, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, God is good, you know. Um, and I was getting hit pretty hard, man. When I started going, you know, losing everything, God showed me the way to do it uh, to get a, a mortgage that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. I pay less than a lot of people. I pay less for uh, taxes, insurance. And all I pay less than a lot of people pay. The average person pay. I pay way less than I average pay for rent mm -hmm. because God is good. 
you know, he showed me a way. He showed me the way. Mm -hmm. I didn't give up, man. You know, but I got to the point where I said, I had nothing to lose. Right. I'm gonna lose the house. So how do, how do I can make this work for me? I found out I could either I could either turn on my D in lieu of D and mm -hmm. get five thousand dollars, or I could just, you know, back then it was so hard to get rid of these houses, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I um, I put up, you know, I get a sale, you know, I can put up a quick sale, mm -hmm. and then to be a time, you know, get found out real estate and be a time for somebody. I could stay around another year, I pay nothing as long as I keep the house up. Right. And I found another deal where I, I'm, they take out so much money off my equity. Mm -hmm. Every year, as long as I be on time, and then reduce that two percent interest. Hmm. What can I say? God is great. Mm -hmm. But at the time, man, I had, everybody was on me. I was getting sick. You know, I was sick, and the world was coming down on me, man. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was just oh, God, you know, oh Allah, oh Allah, and then bam, you know, my head cleared up. I said, "What? I heard this. Why can I do? It? Why don't I check on this? Why can I do this?" And everybody tell me, oh, you can't do that. Oh, I love when people tell me I can't do something. <laughs> oh, my God. I mm. fly planes, too. Mm. Everybody say, oh, you know, you can't fly no plane. No black man fly no plane. Hell, I got my life. I turned 50. That's different for my birthday. I, mean, I take my daughter out to the airport. We'd be the wife didn't know what I was doing. By the time she knew what I was doing, I already got my license, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. Oh, you can't do this. You can't. Oh, you fly, man. People say, I know, I'm amazed because I know so many black people. And I actually helped teach uh, uh, this program, H program for young kids. I, and now some of the kids I taught, man, I, I, I be on Facebook, man, they flying for the Air Force, F-35s, C-130s. One young girl, she was a little bitty thing when she was 14 years old. That girl's about 24, 25. She's flying for Delta in that right seat, the big stuff. Mm. You understand know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and, you know, it ain't my priority because I'm mother, you know, but, you know, I'm a big family member. But I was part of that, you right. know what I mean? And, and black people are doing these things. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes if you don't think... I'm not here playing with doing that. So why don't you get out your neighborhood? Get out the circle that you're in, mm -hmm. right? You want to see what black people are doing? Move on. See, back in the day, we was all in Atlanta. We was all in one, you know, in different areas. Mm -hmm. You can walk down the street. Oh, they got this. You can see that. No, oh, they own this, right? Now, hey, you had to go looking for them. You mm -hmm. go down here in the, uh, around this, like you see, my my subdivision. Mm -hmm. You go down here in uh, McDonald. You go up there, up north, up to, uh, and you see these pockets. You know, it's ninety percent black people over here, yeah, or more. Mm -hmm. All them down the streets in this area now. You know, a couple years ago, a few years ago, it's all white. You know, and, mm -hmm. but you see these areas, right? And you see how then you get different. What kind of jobs they doing? Hell, I ain't no hustler. You know, I, I you know I had a good job and everything. I got skills. I'm a machinist by trade and do the buy and do a lot of different things, right? But uh, I'm just an average person. I'm an average guy. Mm -hmm. You know, I got some college <clears throat> education, but you know, I ain't I ain't the brightest guy. You know, uh, right. I ain't the brightest guy in my family. Mm -hmm. But boy. You know, I learned from my daddy. You know, that don't mean nothing. My dad couldn't read or write. You yeah. know what I mean? By God. I used to do, so I used to do the, uh, when he, one job he had when I was young, I used to do his, uh, the, the time clock from time cards. They, they pay the guy who's in charge. I had to do time cards. Mm -hmm. But boy, you talking about making money and coming up with some deal or some idea. My dad was a genius, boy. Hmm. He could turn, he could turn, he could turn Kool-Aid, man, in, 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 I don't know, into wine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He could. He could turn, he could turn, uh, he could turn lead into gold, man. I mm -hmm. mean, you know, hell, he could turn dirt. He could take dirt off the ground and turn it into dollars. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? I mean, and uh, and uh, and his cousin, he had a cousin like that. You know, uh, God bless, rest their soul, right? But man, that's the kind of thing. That's the kind of man you could put a, you you could do anything you want. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know, oh, the white man, yeah, yeah, you're gonna be, you gonna have blocks. You gonna have your own people gonna try to pull you down, mm -hmm. right? You know, a lot of things hold you back, right? But you know what? You could you, don't hold yourself back, mm -hmm. right? Until a lot of people listen to them. But I was in a joint for, for quite a few years, right? Mm -hmm. 
And I went in there, and a, and a Muslim brother, he told me, he said, uh, how much time you got? I said, I got 15 to 20, right? He said, uh, you can get out here in five years. I said, what? He said, they got a step program. You know, tell me, you know, you got a, you got a high school education? I got kicked out, you know, white, fighting on the white boys when we integrated high school. Mm -hmm. Don't worry about it. Go get your GED. Go tell me my GED. Then go to pre-college. Then tell me go to this other joint, get your college and some trade, you know. Mm -hmm. That's what I told you. you. know, I did that. I followed it up, you know. And then I was in the, one of the worst max security prison there was, man. It was, people burning people alive in the cell and stuff. So I stayed, you know, I got, I was with Islam, not because I was protection, you know, because I was one of them crazy dudes. I should love to fight and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But I found a prison ain't enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So anyway, uh, so, you know, I pray through the law, man. I did that. And I found, next thing I know, man, I was in the joint. I was number one man, man. I wasn't no Uncle Tom, man. But I had the prison administration asking me questions, asking me what, you know, what they can do to, you know, to, to keep things down. Mm -hmm. Uh, inmates asking me for things to help them out. They had, had drug dealers and the gangsters coming to me, man, give me money to work out a couple of things for them. Yeah. I had uh, all kind of support out in the street, right? And uh, and then I helped start an education program. I was, I was pretty, pretty far along in college, yada, yada, yada. And I wound up going to a, uh, you know, and all through that. Then they sent me to another prison to help build a prison up, you know, a new prison in town. They told me to hire local people. They had no experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they sent me up there, and as soon as I got there, I thought they were just messing with me because I had done so much down this other joint. The guy come up to the head prison guy. A guard came to me. Says, he said, Cedric Sim. said, yeah. He said, uh, what did he call me? Salim Muhammad Assad did. He said, you know, you know, we got these town people here. They don't know nothing about prison. We want you to help put together an educational program and put together a fellowship program, you know, an outreach program for people to come into prison. Mm -hmm. I said, bet. And I did that, you know, and uh, it went along good for years, man. And because of that, I got a lot of reputation. A lot of people just fighting to get me out of joint. And guess what? I messed up one time. I got caught holding 100 joints. I was holding it for a friend. <laughs> I did the joint. That's why I did a little, little time in isolation. Oh, that was mm. crazy. Oh, I'm going to talk about isolation. Mm. <sighs> but anyway, um, I got out in six years. Well, I didn't get it completely out of prison. I was in minimum security. You know, door, you had your own key to the door. You could, I, they would take me up to the, to the train so I can go to college, you know, go to uh, campus, off the, off campus. Mm -hmm. Put me on the train, I go down the train, I come back, they pick me up. I can just walk off the prison anytime I want to. Of course, you know, I didn't do that, right? And uh, you had your own food, you know, you could do that. I was cooking and all like that, man, mm -hmm. you know. I, 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 I picked up a train machines. I was running a machine shop down there. Oh, man, you know, and then um, people like Louis Greco, one of the original gangsters, man, that had, uh, did the first hit for the, uh, the, uh, uh, well, I can't think of that group, that big boy, the Dapper Dunn, did the hit for him back in the 60s and mm -hmm. killed this guy. And, uh, man, I was the only black person he talked to. He didn't talk to many white people either. But anyway, it was just that. And then, and then they put me in a, a pre-release center mm -hmm. way before my time. This black guy, Muslim guy, thought that they, they didn't set him up because I'm coming. My record looks like, you know, brand new. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why am I there? You know, because I ain't going to get paroled down the road for long. He said, oh, man. So he, he put me through hell after, me, after he saw the kind of person I was, man, you know, and I was with the mischief there. I used to go up to the mischief and everything on my furlough. He gave me everything. And I had I got I had, I had, a, had a job. I was making more money than he was at, and the guards was in that joint, right? Because mm. I was machines. I was prototype machines working at a place in South Boston, right? And uh, so anyway, it was just like God is good, right? You mm. know what I mean? Mm. I mean, I was nowhere, man. I had nothing, man. I didn't know nobody up there. <laughs> But I made friends out of some crazy people. I didn't, you know, I made friends out of enemies. I made enemies out of whatever, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I just, mm -hmm. but people respected me, not because I was the baddest thing now, because we're going to get something done. Go see, hey, go, hey, go see my, go see my, go see, go see uh, you know, uh, um, go see Assad. 
you know, play semi-pro football for a minute, you know, go see a side, go see a side, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's God. I can't, I can't, I can't claim none of that. Right. You know, a lot. Can't claim none of that. But because I was willing to try and do and do and never give up, mm-hmm. and it wasn't all easy. I got slapped down, and people want to try to kill me and stuff like that. Or prison administration want to try, you know. You know, try to try to off me or put me in the Fed program, so I don't never get no get my mail never catch up with me. Mm-hmm. But I knew I was doing the right thing. I knew I had to do it. I knew that was me, and I'm gonna stand up for myself, right? And I'm never wait for nobody to stand. I never today. I don't need nobody standing for Cedric. I stand up for me, mm-hmm. right? But I will extend myself to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But if you think like that, if you do that, what can what, what can stop you? You know no. what they say? You know. Uh, you know, you know how, how who can stand against Allah? Who can stand against God? Right. You know, mm-hmm. if that's what you want to do with your life, you know. Yeah. So okay, even want to be a hustle. Yeah. If you would, so so, moral of the story: <laughs> don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, keep going. Keep going. And get up and move. Get up and start move. working. Stand up for yourself. Start Stand working. up for your people. Yeah. So we're going. That was that was a good way to to wrap it up. You know, a little bit of inspiration for some mm-hmm. for the people out there because I got a lot of. People around my age, younger, I'm mid twenties. Mm-hmm. A lot of younger people listening. Some of them might want to do some things, but they don't. They really don't know how. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been trying to motivate people to get mm-hmm. out, buy, buy homes, buy a house, mm-hmm. at least try. You know, a lot of times people make it seem harder than it really is. Mm-hmm. You just gotta apply. You know, and let them tell you. Don't let one of your friends tell you yeah. you can't do it. Let the let the bank or the mortgage company tell you, no, we can't give you a loan. So, uh, hey, you know, you know. Another thing that you know, I had my I had my, I had my house when I was about to rent my first house, mm-hmm. but I I was renting it to buy, but I had a nice house, right? But it wasn't like I didn't really want this. Mm-hmm. I'm good with four wall, right. and I try to sell people that, but they didn't want to hear. Oh, my, my girlfriend got a man, and you know they won't have it. Mm-hmm. You know, Lord, do what's what uh, um, what's needed. Right. right. You don't need no big mansion. Mm-hmm. Why you don't waste all your time trying to put all that money for? You ain't gonna be in there thirty years anyway. Don't right. worry about the more. But anyway. Find something that'll suit you until mm-hmm. you're ready to move on to. You can build it up, and then the next one will be a little more than that, mm-hmm. but it'll be for you. Right. It won't be for an image. Mm-hmm. You know, ch- you know, chasing the Joneses. Mm-hmm. Not for an image, man. You ain't got to worry about nobody's image, because you know what? There's a lot of people got way more than I got. They don't own nothing. Mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They don't own nothing. Right. You know, they paying rent or something. You know, uh, uh, they, 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 you know they, they can't even pay the, uh, you know, some of these big performers. They can't even pay to keep the upkeep of their house. Mm-hmm. Millions of dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Why? But he could, he could live real nice in a decent, you know, a decent mm-hmm. house, a decent mm-hmm. house. Buy his own property, buy his neighborhood, move out there in the woods somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And he could afford it, right. you know? You know, how you a couple of illegal aliens or something, I don't know. <laughs> Somebody from Haiti, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, yeah, you're good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But why you got there? Because what? I'm balling, oh, I'm so movies, I've got the helicopter. Trying to show off, why? showing off, yep. Why? Yep. Look, you know, where that, I guess I'm thinking about my people, your needs. Mm-hmm. Put your needs before your wants. Mm-hmm. If you deal with your needs, what you need, and live within your means, and I'm 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 actually way out of my means, but you know, but I started a little bit better. But live within your means, and you never fail. Mm-hmm. You know, the credit card is good to have credit. Now, this is a different. I ain't gonna take against a lot of people don't have credit. Now, it's good to have credit, but however, don't buy nothing that you can't pay out your own pocket. You can't pay for it in a year. It's something made by house, and don't put yourself more than about 40 percent debt. Even back in my day. When you was 50% of debt, you was a, a risk. Mm-hmm. Now, people leverage 100 to 110%. Even the businesses out here today is crazy. Mm-hmm. But always doing your means, what you can afford, right? And any any business, anything you get, fix it up where you can sell it for more than you got it. Right. 
Mm-hmm. You can't lose. Equity. So, um, let me see. What was I about to say? So, yeah, people like me, I, I, I say when you're young like me, if you don't have, if you're alone, like not married and no mm-hmm. kids, live below your means. Don't yeah. even live within. Live below so you can save up. You really stack money a lot faster yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that was good inspiration. You, I see you got a stack of books here. You got yeah. any books you want to recommend to the, to the well, listeners before we go? I would say, uh, I would say Marcus Garvey. Um, Select the Right Speech by Marcus Garvey. Okay. And uh, I read, this is a nice book I read by this young lady. She's uh, 20-something years old. I met in one of the rallies I was at, Nina. Okay. Uh, this is called Young Black Fearless, um, The Seven-Step Guide to Activism by Nia Sade Walker. Looks like a good book. And this is the book. But however, this guy, he's a white guy. And oh, okay. he's, he's kind of like hating, but boy... <clears throat> to know that we was here long before and the evidence, the scientific evidence, right? Okay, so the first Americans were Africans. That is, uh, and there's documented evidence, and that is written by David M. Otep. He's a PhD. Mm-hmm. It looks like it looks like a good one also. Oh, yeah, he's good. Oh, that's right. And this right here, Black Indians. Okay, Black Indians. That is written by William Lauren Katz. Mm-hmm. Looks like a good one, too. Nice picture on the front cover, too. Of uh, And this is the same thing that Marcus Garvey read that got him inspired. You can check that out. Okay, yeah, it's a good. I, I like. I'm a. I'm yeah. a big fan of Booker T. Washington. Yeah. This is up from slavery. Yeah. Uh, it's an autobiography of Booker T. Washington, man. Y'all definitely need to go check out mm-hmm. anything that has to do with Booker T. He was like the. I, w- yeah. I, I don't know people maybe before him, but I call him the king of self reliance. Mm-hmm. He was. Yeah, all, yeah. He was all about that self reliance. Yeah, game. he was. And you know, uh, another thing, um, read nonfiction, right? Um, also technical books. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you you gotta if you want to be a businessman you know and, and never think about money is your first thing mm-hmm. if you want to do something let's say if you want to um, build houses or you want to own you want to own a subdivision mm-hmm. don't look at the money you know learn something about what you're doing learn about building learn about uh, permits learn about zoning all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff mm-hmm. read technical books then you got information so or if you're going to a business just business for business sake is crazy. Being an engineer and know nothing about putting nothing together is crazy. Mm-hmm. But apply yourself, right? And apply yourself to do what you like. Right. You know, what you think is best. Not always what we're making the most money, but what's something that you want to do, you can do better than anybody else, right? You can mm-hmm. be average. As long as you're just better than average or average, it's good. Mm-hmm. That's how you work. You know, and it, and it, it comes to you. A power begets money, right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody says, oh, it costs $100 million to open it, don't even let, oh, I put them aside. Don't listen to them. Mm-hmm. What do we want? For needs, right? I'll build for my needs. I'll start off, I'll start off, man, if I had to get me a sewing, or sometimes I do those little, those, those, those necklace braids and stuff like that, I'll do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just doing nothing to make a couple of dollars off. If I want to turn into a business, then I find somebody else is doing a, a manufacturer. We should deal with needs. Manufacture, we should forget all that crazy stuff. Well, don't forget it, but put that in mind. Food, agriculture. Mm-hmm. We, you control the world, you control food. Water, hydrodynamics, right? Water, use of water. Civilizations have failed because they couldn't get sewage out of the city. It sounds crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Civilizations have failed because they couldn't they didn't have a proper removal of their sewage, man. And, and uh, you know, uh, air management, energy, right? These things are most important. Chemistry, chemical. These things are most important. And manufacturing. Mm-hmm. America, and, and one thing I agree with Trump, we got to bring manufacturing back to America. Mm-hmm. Even our self-defense, everything that we have, all these exotic things we have, we had to go to China, everywhere else to get these things, mm-hmm. right? To put in these planes that do all these amazing things, right? right. We could get parts from other countries. Manufacturing, produce what you want. If you want to sell something, learn how to make it and produce it before you sell it. Right. Or start from scratch. 
you know, get you, you know, whatever, dashiki. Mm-hmm. Go down, get your Buddha cloth, right? Learn how to sew a little bit, right? right. Some of them are so simple. It's about that simple anyway. Get, mm-hmm. your, get your sewing machine. Yep. Make your own dashiki. A little template. Yeah. Follow a template. Yep. All right, so you want to tell the people where they can find you? So you do the um, Black History Tours or what yeah. is the Civil Rights Tours? What, what? Yeah, I do Black History Tours. I don't do Civil Rights Tours because I want to uplift black people and show what we have done in spite of and all that kind of thing, right? It's Civil Rights involved, too, but I do Black History Tours. You know, uh, progressive Black History And that's all. Black History Tours, um, you can you can um, 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 bring an Atlanta Black History Tours. Uh, Dwight McQueen's the one that owns that. Um also, um, I'm usually involved. Sometimes you'll see you go on Facebook, Cedric Sims. You'll mm-hmm. see me on Facebook. A lot of times, uh, when there are some issues like black on black crime, some other issues, a lot of times I get involved with NAACP. I go out there on my own. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Young Black Panther Party, I, the New Black Panther Party, I go out there. On them. I go out there with them sometimes, or or different groups or self help groups and groups in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I do that. You know, because we need to take control by, you know, doing for ourselves and taking care of our own communities. Mm-hmm. We, we, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want no police to do it for me. I don't know about doing it. I got to do it for myself and my own, and my own family. Right. That's what we, you know, that's what I like to do. So you'll see me doing stuff like that. You know, sometimes you see me on TV. Sometimes you'll see me on different things. But basically, you look me up on Facebook, Cedric Sims, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, that's the best way to find me. Okay, that's a good, um, Cedric Sims is spelled C-E-D-R-I-C. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sims S I M S, mm-hmm. right? Okay, and y'all can definitely go um uh all request him on Facebook, and you know a lot of good posts. His his Facebook is like similar to mine. Everybody who knows mine, mm-hmm. I keep the knowledge flowing. He mm-hmm. does too. I have more BS sprinkled in with mine. His is more like straightforward knowledge. Yeah. Mine is you know I like I like my ratchet stuff too sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So, but. It was nice to have you, sir. All right. I appreciate you for Great sitting to, down with I'm me, I'm glad you know. I'm glad you came. We're going to do some more. Yeah, we got to. Because we, we got some, a lot of different. writing the books. Yeah, yeah, we got a lot of different segments we can go into. Oh, man, don't. Yeah, because we miss it. We jumped across oh, the whole yeah, lot of Oh, yeah, because I know you have a lot more info. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't really get into the, the black Indians or the black yeah. original people here. So original people. The we best. might need to do it maybe... At least keep the Black History thing going all yeah. year round because they oh, want us. Yeah. They want to keep us in February, but we need to be spread throughout the whole year. Um, one thing on my Facebook page, every um, every day, mm-hmm. I have been putting up, especially um, you, you always always do it. Every day I put up some unknown black figure, you mm-hmm. know, that should be known, a right. very important black figure. So I do that on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. You'll see somebody, you know, like Betsy Coleman or uh, Jacques Bellard. Those mm-hmm. were pilots, and back in the uh, the, uh, the first World War Ace was Jack uh, Jack Ballard. He's from Georgia, right? And uh, you know, so people like that, and then you know, people like uh, people that people really don't study. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, some people I mentioned, you know, so. Mm-hmm. All right, that's good. So we need to. I think we definitely need to figure out a schedule where we can link up and you know at least get a small segment, mm-hmm. you know, every and use it and chop them up. Mm-hmm. But hey, everybody, I appreciate y'all for listening. Thank you, Mr. Said. Hey. Another episode down, man. Let's go.